Leading Britain's conversation. You're listening to a podcast of The Steve Allen Show from LBC. Certainly is. Nice to have you company. Welcome to Friday. It's the 4th of August and it's Steve Allen's early breakfast. This is where they come out to play on this programme. So, um... Uh, what have we got today? Oh, the boffin who has the microchip implanted in his hand so he can open his front door and start the car just by pointing his hand. That's, I think, what we should all have, don't you reckon so? Make it so much easier. Although then I thought about the downside that in these days of people doing horrible things to people, if somebody then sort of cuts your hand off accidentally or whatever, you've kind of lost the method of getting into your house and starting the car. Uh, brand ambassadors, when they go wrong, they're paid a small fortune by people to endorse things. And uh, and then they inadvertently, during an interview, end up slagging something off. And you go, I think you've just slagged off the people who are paying you a lot of money. Uh, Louise Radnap goes out, arrives back the worst for wear. That's the trouble you get to an old age, isn't it, really, Louise? You can't, can't handle the booze. Uh, Danny Dyer gives us his biggest smile. Sarah Harding looks as miserable as sin on Big Brother. And again, it's poor her, poor her, poor her on how she's proving things to everybody to show them there's another side to it. It was all just an act. It was it. Nobody gives us stuff. I keep getting, I get a little bit annoyed with the needy, you know, the Kerry Coke toners, the Daniela Westbrooks, people who can't cope with life, you know, and yet they've managed to milk a fortune out of it and yet achieve nothing, absolutely achieve nothing at the end of it. Sarah Harding dribbling on to Big Brother in the diary room of all that. I just happened to catch it. You know, when you're sitting there in front of the telly and you go flip, 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 you try and find something. I tend to sort of catch the end of QI or before they go to a break. They go to a break and I go, oh, I'll turn over. So I then go to find something else. And I can't remember what it was I was watching. And I then happened to see Sarah Harding doing her fake sobbing in the diary room, talking about, you know, I want people to see the real me. I thought, what, what people, dear? What people? Who are you talking about? Who are you talking? What do you mean people to see the real you? Nobody gives a stuff about you. If you're paid to do a job, you do a job. Like me coming on air and saying, I'm expecting people to see the real me. You know, I'm doing this programme. This is the real me. You know, I remember Mike Yarwood, the impressionist. He used to say at the end of his act, after he'd done all these impressions, he'd then go, and this is me. And, you know, and then he would go into a song or something like that. So he'd been all these different people. Sarah Harding is trying to sort of justify this dreary existence of being in a little... Have you had another haircut again? What have you done? Honestly, every time I see you, you look as though you've had another haircut. Have you put gel in it or something? What are you doing recently? Have you lost yourself in the boots hair department or something, where you've gone in there and walked out with mud and gel and styling mousse? Is it the headphones? It is. Well, actually, it shouldn't do for you. With me, it used to. When, when my hair was bigger, I had sort of slightly bigger hair. When you put the headphones on, when you take them off, you have a ridge that goes... It used to be ridiculous, and you try and sort of fluff your hair up. So it's, it's easy. I had a little um, haircut yesterday, just to, you know, just to sort of make myself look a bit more trendy. Thank you. Obviously facing in the wrong direction again. And, um, yeah, so I was, I was sort of watching Sarah Harding, and she was talking about, oh, you know, when I was doing all that, I was the joker in the group. No, you weren't. You really won't, dear. In your sad mind, you probably thought you were, but you weren't. You were the one that went, oh, Sarah Harding, drunk again. Face down in the gutter, looking the worse for wear. You know, just obviously desperately unhappy. Desperately unhappy, and now inflicting it on us. Whereas I don't think we should have to put up with things like that. The rest of them in the house are just a bit, uh, a bit, bit naff. Uh, but people keep talking about Barry from EastEnders, and they get why they're calling him Sean, because it's his name. It only goes to prove the people who watch Celebrity Big Brother or Big Brother really are about as thick as they come, aren't they? I don't think you get anybody any more stupid. Well, you probably will probably find some this morning. I go through the papers on a daily basis. I can find stupid people everywhere. I can really find it. It doesn't take too much. Um, 
Uh, we've lost a couple of people as well, uh, unfortunately. We've also found a model who tried to steal from Harrods. The magistrates led her off with a slap on the wrist because of her considerable talent. So, you know, based on that one, I should be uh, absolutely walking it when I try and get some nice Amani stuff out of Harrods later on today. You, know, you let her off because she has considerable talent. She's a common little tea leaf. Dear me. Uh, J.K. Rowling earned £140 a minute last year. £140 a minute. And then I thought, she's brought pleasure to millions and millions. Unlike Sarah Harding, who's probably brought misery to millions and millions of people. Uh, the hardcore of drink drivers, you know what they are? Pensioners. Pensioners, I'm not surprised. I'm, I'm going down the road. Where are you going? Oh, I'm take the car out. Bingo, going to bingo. Whee! And you see people, and they. Lo- I've, I've been behind people before on many occasions, and you and you look at them driving, and you think, you must be drunk. You must be tiddled. You know, watch people. Do you drive, Julian? Do you have a little car? Does, 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 does assistant boy... I love the way that when you get people who actually, who actually phone up LBC, he doesn't have a car. Probably best. Probably safer. Yeah. But they, they, they always say, oh, I was talking to your researcher. Well, who's that? Do you mean the assistant producer? The re- I was talking to your researcher. Honestly... You're much bigger than a, a... Well, maybe not you, but, I mean, you know, gatekeeper? No. Honestly, he's, he's the assistant producer. He's the AP. He's the assistant producer. In fact, he's the assistant producer on this programme because Aussie Boy's off... Well, let's just call it tagging, OK? And um, and so... And then at the, at the weekend, he's my producer, so he gets elevated from AP to P. We sort of knock off the A. So he's AP. You know, he is a producer. And, um, you know, and that's... But when people say, I was talking... Ch- really? Somebody once told Darren you were his boss. How sweet. I quite like that idea, actually. I did thank everybody yesterday on Twitter, you know, for, for helping with the programme. You have to do that, because it keeps everybody happy. You have to say, and thank you to my team. But, I mean, to be brutally honest with you, ladies and gentlemen, it all comes down to me. It's my show. It's called The Steve Allen Show. I'm, I'm, the, I'm the funny one. I'm the witty one. Unfortunately, I can't drive a programme. Bye. They've all left. They're all gone. <laughs> I can't drive a desk. I can't even record interviews. I'm that useless. They have to sort of, you know, the, you wouldn't believe the army of people, APs and otherwise, who come in to record Steve Allen's In Conversation because I can't do it. I, oh, I, I really can't do it. And um, uh, Warren says, did you hear me call James O'Brien yesterday morning? I'm sure he knows that you and I are mates. Oh, don't tell him that. He's got a column today in the mirror. He's, he's being a guest columnist. We'll never hear the end of it. I promise you. Never. How did he get on the other day with Pie Chart? I think that was the Pie Chart programme. Oh, you did the... Um, I called his question time, not to question Mystery Hour about the bladder and the need to go to the toilet. He was very fascinated. I think people's toilet habits are very interesting. I've discovered, for me, water. Water is the worst thing for me to have, and yet I do love water. It's the only thing that makes me go, go to the toilet on a regular basis. I can drink coffee throughout the morning, but, and I like to start the programme. You know, I have a routine. I get my cup of coffee. Well, I get one of the minions to get it. And that's what somebody said to me the other day. Why don't you go and make your own coffee? I said, I'm a presenter. We don't make our own coffee. That's the whole idea of being a presenter. You've worked your way up, you know, to sort of people getting coffee, and then people go out and get things like that. That's, that's how it works, isn't it? Yeah, dream on, they say. Yeah, OK. I think I'm going to die. OK, and let's wait and see how they're going to cope with that one. The answer is, they wouldn't. They'd just push a little button and Steve Allen's In Conversation appears on the radio. So you'd never know that I was lying here prostrate in the studio. 
Is it prostrate or prostate? No, prostrate. I think that'd be better. Otherwise, a very confusing death. Very confusing. No chance of Cheryl returning to the X Factor. Um, I think basically because she... Um, um, yes, I got the email text. Thank you. But I, I didn't... Um, I d- we were thinking that maybe Cheryl was going back to the X Factor. And then Simon Cowell said, no, she's not. And, and you have to ask yourself the question, what would she go back there for? She's apparently going to be doing an interview with either, I think it's GMB or This Morning or something. She sort of let it be known that she'll be, she's willing to be interviewed. You know, what, ex-singer has baby. Hello, what is, what, what is the interview, dear? What is the interview about? Or is it just your insatiable need to sort of uh, be a bit like Grant Bovey and try and get as much publicity as possible? Because to be honest with you, I would watch an interview with her just to see whether or not they've uh, they've tried to you know smarten her up a little bit and uh, sort of make her talk like you know she knows what she's talking about you know having baby and all the rest of it. Or whether it's just going to be a bit of PR puff that she's got an album coming out or something. That's what I suspect it'll probably be. Most people they say, oh, I'm willing to do an interview with so and so, and you go, oh yeah, you're flogging something. And they go, um, well, I've I've got a book coming out. And you go, okay, that's what you're doing. That's what you're doing it for. It's the publicity. Um, also, the um, what was the other story? I quite like the uh, the other story of the biggest fish in Britain's dead at the age of 25. It's huge. I think it's a carp. Whatever it is, it's blooming big and it's, it's died. Uh, also, um, how waiting for your other half to get ready causes 30 rows a year. Because that is really the most frustrating thing, isn't it? Listen, we're due, we should have left 10 minutes ago. I remember I was going, I won't tell you the person was, but you might better work it out by yourselves. But uh, we were going on holiday. I think we were going to Grand Canaria. And the person said to me, I'll pick you up on the way to the airport. I've got a driver and we'll pick you up as we go through and then go on to Heathrow. I went fine. And I think it was something like the flight was leaving. Let's say, for example, uh, it was 12 o'clock. And so I said, well, listen, you need to be here fairly quickly, you know, say, but we need to check in about an hour and a half before. Yeah, that'll be fine. Be fine. Be fine. Anyway, so uh, it then gets to so 12 12 o'clock take off and it gets to 10 o'clock and I go, "How, how far away are you? thinking it's going to be half an hour from my place to the airport by the time you've got there and, and checked in and then we have an hour to sort of faff around um be with you shortly okay uh and then it gets so that was that was half past 10 yeah that was about half, quarter past 10 half past 10 and it gets to 11 o'clock and I go where are you and this person goes we're just getting ready to leave now i Getting ready to leave now? What do you mean getting ready to leave now? The flight takes off at 12. It's going to take you 35, 40 minutes to get to me. This person was in central London. And eventually they they turned up and I think it was about 20 to 12. 20 to 12. And I said, there's no chance. We'll be fine. We'll be fine. We get there and uh, we go go to the the check-in. And the woman goes, sorry, check-in's closed. And he said, well, we, we don't have any sort of major baggage. She said, no, the plane's taxiing out now. So we then had to make a quick phone call. Oh, I was furious. Furious. Hate, I hate being late for anything. And I hate people making me late. And, um, and so we then have to go to another terminal to catch another plane, which took us. But it only took us as far as... Where were we going to? We ended up in, in somewhere like Madrid, whatever it was. And there was no connecting flight on to where we were going. So we had to have spend a night in a hotel in Madrid. So by the time we get to this bloody hotel in Madrid... <laughs> There was a wedding reception taking place in there. So there's people dancing through the corridors and I'm just fed up. You know why? I've got no bag with me because the bag had been checked in for the flight for the morning. So I've got nothing. So I'm now wearing the same clothes I've been wearing since about, you know, eight o'clock that morning. And toothbrushes there, my hair stuff, 
hair stuff a long time ago. And, um, and in the end, we sort of got these rooms. This person said, don't worry, I shall pay for this. I said, bloody too right, you will. And uh, so we then go to the restaurant. But of course, they're, they're just getting ready to close. And so this friend of mine is faffing around over the blooming menu. Uh, what about this? And what about that? Oh, just order it. I was in such a bad mood. <laughs> didn't help. Really didn't help. I always hate it. If ever I get in a bad mood about something and the person you're with just laughs, because that makes me even worse. <laughs> Terrible. Really does. Never mind. Never mind. Uh, that's what happened. Uh, also, um, what else did we get? Oh, yes, there was that story about getting to the airport early because they're sort of targeting Brits and they're making you wait for ages. They say it, it takes about three hours in the uh, in the uh, the uh, the queue. Now you get there and you think, what are people doing? What are people doing? So, so that's right. When, when you're waiting for people to get ready and you're going, listen, we need to leave now. I'll be ready in a minute. Don't rush me. Don't rush me. Get ready. <laughs> Just get in the car. Slam the door shut. And then they go, I've had this before. Somebody gets in the car and they go, oh, I can't remember. Did I blow the candles out? So we have to then go through, check all the alarms and all the rest of it and go back. Oh, God in heaven. I tell you, how, how my blood pressure has ever remained normal, I'll never know. But it has so far. Uh, what else do we have? Um, dum, 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 dum. Oh, yes, the owner's fury. It's got a Mercedes and it's supposed to be Nick free. But this one was opened very, very quickly. And um, and so somebody nicked his car. He's furious. He's as you can well imagine. If you've got a car that you don't. Th- I mean, it's like on my one. You need the key to to start my car. It's as simple as that. You need the key to start it because it's a computer. It won't open with any other key. You can't do anything else with it. You know, no matter what, what people will tell you, it just doesn't happen. Steve, we were driving down the M1 last week. Don't be silly. Nobody drives down the M1. It's like a car park, isn't it? Oh, no, it's the M25. Uh, we overtook an HGV that was weaving about all over the lanes. As we passed, we saw the driver was texting, says Mo. Nothing surprises me. Nothing surprises me. Seriously, I see people texting, shaving at the wheel... You know, people doing all sorts of things. I mean, it, it really is. It's, it's quite appalling. And when they're doing it at speed, you get quite disturbed because you think all these people weaving about all over the place. I've been known to hoot and wave. But there was a little car racing us this evening uh, or this morning as we were coming in. And uh, he, was, he was obviously a bit stupid. He was one of those little sort of boy racers, or as I call them, big girls' blouses. Uh, we got the trendy toy pram firm under fire for encouraging young girls to play like mum. Uh, because they brought out a pram. Now, I think this is quite normal. I don't know why the firm is under fire, because lots of little girls have got little prams that they push. In fact, I saw one the other day. Mummy was pushing a pram, and the little girl had a pram of her own, and she was pushing it along with her dolly in there. That's quite normal, isn't it? Boys get the, get the scooters, and, uh, and the girls get the little pram. So I thought that was OK. Uh, Howell Bennett has died at the age of about 73, known for Shelley... I think on the television, which I thought he was great in. Then he went into EastEnders. He'd done loads of other things. So I was sorry about that. Sorry that we, uh, that we lost him, which is uh, not so good. And we lost the other one, didn't we? We lost um, the bloke uh, from uh, All Creatures Great and Small. We lost him as well. So that wasn't so good. That's Robert Hardy. He was 91. 91. I thought that was a blooming good innings. So, well done to him. Uh, not very good at marriage, but very good at convincing us. He was very good Churchill. Uh, I've seen him a couple of times. I, unfortunately, uh, had heard that a play he was in years and years and years and years ago was going to close. And I went down there. Of course, I knew before they'd even posted notices. They generally post notices saying the production's going to be closing on whenever it happens to be. So, I, I was sort of I had advanced knowledge of it. Unfortunately, nobody had told the cast. So, uh, that was a bit of a, a slight problem as well. Uh, what was the other one that I quite liked? I quite liked the idea 
that uh, that volunteers have stepped in. There's been a, a bin strike in Birmingham, uh, which has turned Brum into a slum. I know. Very discombobulated. Um, that was a word. We used to have a, a thing years ago. You know, on the television, you get some people and they'll weave rude words in. We used to have a thing. The producer just set a, a bit of a, a sort of a conundrum, I think. And he'd sort of say, uh, right, you need to weave the words wet towel into a conversation, which, of course, I didn't have any trouble with at all. Uh, I was I was quite easy to do these in. And one of our fellow presenters this morning said, here, here, here's a challenge for you. Can you weave in the word discombobulated? I said, of course, I'm just going to say discombobulated. It's as simple as that. And so I've woven it. And I could do wet towels too. Wet towels, because I had a, had a shower this morning. I was in the shower early. In fact, I actually had a most dreadful night's sleep. Dreadful night's sleep. In fact, it was quite a blessing to actually fall into the shower. When I say fall in, I did fall into the shower. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. 22 minutes past four, Steve Allen's early breakfast. Simon Cowell has revealed he pays his female X Factor judges more than Louis Walsh. But Louis Walsh is rich. He doesn't... He, Louis Walsh is, is he's doing it just because he loves doing it. However, over at the BBC, Countryfile host, one of many, Anita Rani, has called on the BBC to address its race pay gap. So now we've got the race pay gap as well. She said a lot of work needed to be done to tackle inequality at the Beeb. She says, I think race needs to be addressed equally as well as gender. What, I'd sort of, I mean, I would think all, all the gay presenters at the BBC should also stick their six penneth in. People over six foot tall, people under six foot tall, people who are sort of Chinese or, you know, everything. Just stick everybody in there. It's, you know, if you don't like it, go somewhere else. Go somewhere else. I know it doesn't solve the problem, but to be honest with you, they're not badly paid, these people. They're all bleating about, oh, it's terrible, isn't it? But uh, they're not doing badly. You know, if she thinks she's, she's not getting enough money, go somewhere else. But, of course, there isn't anywhere else, is there? Because once you're at the BBC, you're kind of stuck there and you, and you take the money. That's what they've, they've got on offer. If you want it, then you take it. If you don't want it, bugger off and go somewhere else. It's fairly straightforward. I'm sick to death, these people bleating about it. Oh, somebody earns more money than me. and somebody... So what? So what? Well, I tell you what, let's make everybody earn 50,000 a year. That'll make it easy, won't it? It doesn't matter what, you know, who you are. Men, women, everybody. 50 grand a year across the board. And then, you know, people who earn more than that, kind of tough. Keep your big mouth shut and make sure that the little people get paid. Yeah, producers going for this one in a big way. I think that's easier, isn't it? That's maybe 40,000 a year. But anyway, so it doesn't matter. At least it's all around that and we'll all earn the same money. So, Anita, we'll, we'll, we'll take your money down, darling, if that's OK, because you're not particularly brilliant. You're OK, but you're just a presenter. You know, it doesn't say sort of talented presenter or, you know, this, it just says presenter. So I'm assuming, you know, you'll work for 50 grand a year, 4,000 a month, roughly. You can manage on that, can't you? Quite easily. Of course you can. If you've got a husband and you've got, you know, uh, kids, you can survive on £4,000 a month, I'm hoping. Provided you don't have a mortgage, you don't try and run a car, but you should be OK. Uh, also, somebody somewhere has won £51 million on uh, Euro Millions, and it was a week ago. And um, nobody's claimed it. So it's 51 million quid. National Lottery said we urge all players to check their tickets. Well, why don't you tell us where it was bought so we can narrow it down a bit? Because then otherwise it, it means that people who live in, in Bridgend, you know, or people who are in Bridlington or people who are in, you know, Birmingham or something like that. No point in checking if the ticket was bought in, in South London. Sorry, South London. You know, because that, that way you, you could go and look for it. But don't start all searching for a blooming ticket that probably doesn't exist. 51 million I'd be spitting blood to get hold of that. 51 million. It's nice, isn't it, really? What would you do with 51 million? God, you could help a lot of people out. That was like that lottery winner. He won 142 million quid and he saved a Cambridge um, music festival 
and he's done it on his own land. He's got 142 million. I think he was one of the uh, one of the biggest winners. So that was nice. That was nice. I thought he he sort of stepped up to the mark. He's uh, he's carrying a lot of weight. I looked at a picture of him. He's a big boy. But he's got 142 million, so he appears to everybody. Oh, here she is, looking a bit gaunt and not the least bit showbizny. Poor old Louise Redknapp. What a miserable face, honestly. And uh, she wears a weary smile. Oh, a little bit later on, she was a bit tiddled. But of course, she's still wearing the uh, wedding ring. She says she's been focusing heavily on work. She says here, she, she went to Evita. She's not in it, of course. I've always thrown myself into work when it seems to be the right thing. She's doing cabaret in September, so they're just rehearsing, like, you know, any other show is. People, you know, getting ready to be cast for pantomime. But uh, you're the one who chose to go into this again. You didn't need to go to Evita, did you? But obviously the sensational urge you have for publicity means that you have to go and, uh, and walk the, the red carpet. But you don't have to do it. You don't have to do it. If you're really intent on being private, well, then don't go to it. But, of course, you went to it and you look miserable as sin. It's ridiculous, really. Uh, also, what have we got here? Uh, we got here. Oh, we got uh, yeah. There was somebody who was in EastEnders. He carried out sex offences against three teenage girls. Uh, he's been told he faces uh, jail. He sent uh, messages to them, and he touched one on the bottom, and all the rest of it. He was in EastEnders when he was little. You know, this was a long, long time ago. I think he was actually playing uh, Ian Beale's son, Peter. I think. But he was working on youth projects. Obviously, the you know, as it does for a lot of people, you get work when you're younger and then it dries up and, uh, and then you have to get some other work and then he kind of pff, fell off the edge. Fell off the edge. So he does face being jailed. Also, Grant Bovey, Little Swipe Lies. Here he is. They actually say of, uh, of Grant Bovey. It's quite funny, actually. It's quite funny. Uh, because Grant Bovey, you know, he used to be married to Anthea Turner. And then they had a bit of a problem with the with the chocolate flake bars. And um, Lee Baldridge just said, he said, well, it wasn't me who won 51 million. I've just left work. And he says, my Uber driver, Jason, says he's your biggest fan. That's what I like to hear first thing in the morning. It's nice. Wouldn't it be nice if we'd won 51 million, Lee? Wouldn't it just be absolutely amazing? 51 million. But the trouble is, I don't think I've ever bought a ticket for Euro Millions that I haven't done online. So they would tell me. And it would show up on my account. But I, I did look yesterday because I bought a couple of tickets for tonight. And, and I, didn't, um, I didn't have any, anything like 51. Can you imagine if somebody said to you, oh, sorry, we forgot to send you the thing. It is you. You've got 51 million. I don't know what I'd do first. I don't know what I really don't know what I'd do first. 51 million. Good God. That is a small fortune, isn't it? That would make the weekend a bit more different. Would you still go to work, though, Lee? Of course you would. Would Jason still go to work? No, he wouldn't. Absolutely not. He would definitely not go to work. I think if you sort of drive for a living, you know, you don't mind driving yourself around, but why would you want to drive other people around when you've got 51 million in the bank? But I think for us, what we do is we'd, we'd carry on working until we decided what we were going to do with the money, which would probably be, you know, buy another house or something. I've already seen the house I want, but the trouble is 51 million doesn't really help me out very much because the house would actually cost a little bit more. He settled, Lee says, I've settled for the fact I have to work for it. Not the type to win anything. You know, it's funny, I'm a bit like that. I win little bits and pieces, but nothing, nothing of any consequence. I mean, years ago, I won four grand. But that was, that was donkeys years ago when the thing first started. Now it's nigh on impossible. But then, you know, working's not bad, is it? And you look very healthy on it. Very healthy on it. I've noticed one of the other 
uh, boys on the television who does it. And I can't remember his name now. I should do. He's an Essex boy. He's very tall, very good looking. But obviously people write in rude things to him. You probably get the same yourself, Lee. You get people who sort of write in saying, you know, can you work with your shirt off and things like that. And he obviously gets comments of, uh, and he says, no, these are for dancing, pointing to his legs. (laughs) I would work, says Lee, probably by the companies I've worked for and sack all the idiots. Can you imagine the retribution you could have? Can you imagine the fun? I was I was talking to um, to Darren, and we said, wouldn't it be interesting if we had diaries? If we got a diary, because radar figures are based on on a diary system. You know whether or not you'd be mean to other radio stations and not start voting for them. Producer thinks yes. I don't think I would actually. I don't think I would. I think I think I'd try to be nice to people. I got some lovely text messages the other day. I got a lovely one from Jonathan Shallot who's been a fan of LBC. You know, this is Jonathan Shalit. who went from that big to, wow, where's he gone to? He's seriously, I mean, he's, he's lost a, a hell of a lot of weight. A bit like Sam Smith. Sam Smith has gone from, you know, being plumpish to being thin. I mean, really thin. But Jonathan Shalit, I think he shed oh, something amazing. Was it like six stone or so, whatever it was? It was a huge amount. And, um, and that's what I'd do. I'd, I'd go and have a gastric band fitted or something. I was watching a programme last night and it was on body shaming and it was a gay guy Irish and uh, he said there's so much pressure uh, if you're gay to be slim he said it was you know everybody looks at, at bodies everybody's looking I mean I'm constantly looking at bodies thinking I wish I looked like that <laughs> I was always doing that kind of thing I spent ages looking at somebody and I go oh I wish I was that slim you know that's and that's all I think about and then you think and then you go home and I think what you do is you eat to compensate for the fact that you've got to eat at some point. I can't even tell you what I ate yesterday. I can't even... What did the dickens I ate yesterday? I can't remember. Must have been something exciting, wasn't it? I think it came with wild rice. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. What would you do with 51 million quid? I don't think I'd know where to begin, actually. Apart from that, you sort of phone up the bank and you, you do what I said yesterday, which is you'd be constantly checking on a daily basis on the, on the, on the bank balance. If it goes down, you'd be going, well, I have not taken any money out, so I'd like to know. And how long would you wait before you started spending the money? How long? Because the bank would be trying to persuade you to invest in all sorts of things. And you'd be going, listen, at my age, there's no point. Let's just spend it. Let's do a Viv Nicholson and go spend, spend, spend and go mad. Because that'd be, that'd be quite nice, wouldn't it? But you hear, you hear about people who've had... Hundreds of millions of pounds, and they don't seem at all happy. And you think, I could be really, really happy, actually, on hundreds of millions of pounds. What am I looking at? Oh, Donald Trump. Yes, he's actually, so I think he's probably quite miserable. I think he sort of climbs into bed at night and goes, where is she gone? Where is that woman gone? You know, and uh, I think he's, he's probably quite, quite miserable, actually. The White House is a dump. Is that what he said? Not surprised. Would you want to live there? It's like Buckingham Palace. You know, it looks nice, the glossy bits for us. But, you know, to be honest with you, you wouldn't want to live there. It's a barn of a place. You want something a little bit better. Anyway, we ha- we've always laughed at Grant Boffy. Poor little Grant. His, uh, his little world came tumbling down. So he, he's now apparently on a website. He's looking for love. He, he can't find it. Uh, he claimed that he was 46. Whereas, in fact, he's 56. He's 57 in March. Uh, His occupation was... Now, I don't know whether or not this is what he put up or whether or not the papers have taken the mickey out of him. Uh, Occupation, entrepreneur with flourishing entertainment career. The truth of the matter is he's a former bankrupt estate agent turned reality TV contestant on one show. And he wasn't much cop at that. In fact, he was a nasty little piece of work. Relationship status, single and ready to settle down. In reality, twice divorced, a serial love rat. Uh, looking for 
a loving relationship with someone I can connect with on a spiritual level. Looking for hot young arm candy. Last girlfriend, 27-year-old property heiress. I didn't like. Uh, and last. Uh, likes boxing, TV and meeting people. Likes publicity at any cost. Yes, he's, a, he's an ego maniac, I'm afraid. Uh, dislikes negativity, confrontation, white chocolate flake bars. Dislikes monogamy, Ricky Gervais, public humiliation. Yes, poor old Grant Bovey. Mind you, he'll probably see this as good publicity. But uh, it's just a dreadfully sad ending, isn't it, for somebody who was... I can remember when Anthea Turner was sort of talking about, you know, we've, we've had to downsize from a £10 million house to a to a £5 million house. And I remember thinking, God, you irritating little so-and-so. I don't care what somebody lives in. It really doesn't bother me. It's when somebody tells you how much they've spent on their, their property. You know, and let me show you how to fold a towel. Go away. Go away. I'm the sort of person who used to go into Benetton and shake out jumpers just to watch the assistants rush around behind you and start folding them all up again and making sure that they all... Because there's an art to folding a jumper. And I think if I can cause disruption, I'm, I'm prepared to actually have a go at it. Uh, also, we say farewell to Robert Hardy. He's died aged 91. I loved All Creatures Great and Small. I thought it was fabulous. And uh, he's played with Burton, Michael Horden, uh, played with Glenda Jackson... But uh, it was uh, 1978 to 1990 that it was all creatures great and small. And that was it was uh, uh, the based on the exploits of a vet. It's true stories. It's true. So, well, you know, with a little bit of embellishment. But either way, it's that farming life that we all want. You, you tend to forget these people are acting. That's why in Celebrity Big Brother, they go, it, it's Barry from EastEnders. You get, no, his name's Sean, dear. His name's Sean. Well, what, why is he calling himself that? Because it's his name. Uh, Barry's the character he was playing. But he, he, he played Churchill uh, in the wilderness years. And then, of course, in Harry Potter, he turned up as well. 91. You know, you wish that you could say, you wish that, you know, you believed in the fact that once somebody passes on, they can still hear you. Because he'd be delighted at the coverage that he gets in the newspaper. Because most and that's what actors thrive on, isn't it? You know, and, and to get coverage in a newspaper, you think, that's nice as well. We also lost uh, Howell Bennett. He was 73, the Welsh actor. Appeared in 71 episodes of Shelley between 1979 and 1984. And um, it, then he went into, I think, uh, he was Doctor Who. He'd been in The Virgin Soldiers, Anyone for Sex, Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, The Sweeney, The Bill. And then he played Jack Dalton, uh, a gangster in EastEnders. I thought it was nice. I mean, he was he was another one of our sort of homegrown talents. So we, we liked him a lot. So we lost both of those, which is a shame. But, you know, when you get to a, a certain age in the business, you know, and you've, you've had some really, really great roles, you can't complain about it. Steve, you started to talk about a child's pram and how normal it was. What was the story behind it? It's because they um, the... Uh, the company who make it have been criticised by people saying, what are you talking, you know, why are you making prams for little girls? And you go, because that's what little girls do. They push prams around. It doesn't, it doesn't make them do anything. It just means that they push prams around. You know, mothers are outraged by the collection, which they say encourages young girls to play like mum. But wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Who are these stupid people complaining? They said it reinforces... Gender stereotypes. Oh, go away. Aren't you bored with these mamby-pambies, ladies and gentlemen? You can't have that. You know, I can remember. They still make it. It's a plastic play kitchen. It's a play kitchen. It's got, you know, you can make a cup of tea. Pretend in bright, shiny plastic. It's it, stereo... Oh, God. Reinforces gender stereotypes. What, like, sort of, you know, girls 
only want to be in the kitchen and girls... But, I mean, you know, I don't want to be rude about this, but I'm assuming it is only girls that can have babies, unless this little playgroup here seem to know something about it. But um, according to their new website, the Play Like Mum Toy Pram range is designed to allow your little ones to play just like mum. But um, the Let Toys Be Toys campaign group said, um, uh, why exclude one half of parenting role models for the get-go? You sometimes worry about these people, don't you? But anyway, it looks quite nice. It's £400, this uh, pram, incidentally. They said, still scratching our heads. Pushing prams are not radical, and boys like pushing prams too. Don't be stupid. Let's not be silly. Criticising the new range, Riri Rocket added, their aim is to help children play like mum. Have we gone back to 1957? Well, you quite clearly come from that uh, era, don't you? What's the matter with people? They just, you know, somebody said, meanwhile, Claire Gibson wrote, what fresh hell of gender stereotyping is this? God, you must find it hell to walk down the high street. So he said, mind you, we thought it was funny the other day, didn't we? Because uh, there was the picture of Chris Evans and his gorgeous wife and the two gorgeous children. God, perhaps I'm not supposed to say that. Uh, standing outside, gangster granny and his youngest was wearing a dress because the character in it wears a dress. And and so they didn't think that was anything. I'm, I'm surprised they didn't sort of, you know, get sort of lambasted. for Why have you put a child in a metallic green dress? He put it on. And he was, you know, he was happy as Larry. His name's not Larry, of course. His name's Eli. Uh, but there you go. But, you know, you sort of think to yourself, kids don't worry about things like that. So little boys push a pram, little girls push a pram. All sorts of people push a pram. Who cares? Doesn't really matter. There's no gender stereotypes. You're not going to... I'm telling you now. If you seriously think that, you know, if a little boy pushes a pram, they're going to be gay. If a little boy plays with dollies, it's going to be gay. It's never happened. You're either gay or you're not gay. You know, you're either born gay or you're not born gay. It's as simple as that. That's why you get gay people, straight people, bisexual people, transgender people. Everybody's different. I don't need to be informed by any group, thank you very much indeed, about what will happen if my godchildren do this thing or do that thing. You know, I can remember seeing some neighbours' children ages and ages ago and the father was getting very upset because the kid was playing with a little shopping trolley. Well... He's turned out to be the little Romeo of the neighbourhood, thank you very much indeed. Nothing at all to do with, you know, he's going to grow up to be... It's like, you know, if kids, if little boys don't play football, they're going to grow up to be gay. No, they're not. Of course they're not. I mean, it's so stupid. This is just interfering old busybodies. And listen, because little girls want a pram, and they do want a pram. Little girls see mummies uh, with prams, perhaps daddies as well, but there's lots of single parents, and let's not to exclude them. And they, and they just go around with it. It's quite normal for little girls to push a pram around. You know, you've seen them and then they do a Dolly's tea party. But is that gender stereotyping as well? A Dolly tea party sitting on the grass. You know, we all did it. We weren't rich enough in our, our family. I didn't get the whole Dolly's teapot. Managed to nick some from next door, which was much easier. But we didn't have anything like that. We had toys, you know, but everybody played with toys. When you're little children, you just play with toys. You don't really think, oh, this is a toy for a little girl or this is a toy. Only when your parents tell you what it is do you start thinking, oh, right. It's just interfering parents, isn't it? That's all it is. It's sort of, you know, it'll be some well-meaning group, caftan wearing, you know, sort of going, oh, this is gender stereotypes. Kids don't see that. They don't understand what that is. It doesn't make any... What do they think is going to happen to these kids? A little boy's going to grow up putting on makeup, going, I think there won't be a little girl. No. And of old codswallop, isn't it, really? Uh, 8850. Um, uh, Dean says, shocked by the death of, uh, of Howell Bennett. Well, it was 73. I mean, 73 was a good... In- I don't know what the, uh, what the complications were. I don't know anything about that at all. Um, I'm looking at these... We've got to... There's, there's somebody caught on camera here. Some of these little motorbike boys, the little moped crimes. And people standing there 
and somebody drives past and grabs it. They've got to stop them now, and we've got to get them into prison. Let's see pictures of them, please, in the papers. Not, not bothered about whether the police knock them off. I couldn't care less if they fall off the bikes. That's their problem. Otherwise, you might as well have them going in, you know, shooting people and doing anything else. At the moment, it's spraying stuff in their faces. Not very good at all. Uh, fellow listener Frank is in light water. He's helping out Peter at his garage in Twickenham this week. He's a member of the 4AM Spike, and I know he'd be thrilled to get a mention. And um, Lisa says, get in there. Cheryl's giving interviews. What a 30 minute that would be. Yes, I mean, I I also agree. Who cares? Cheryl Cole speaks. Woo, hold me back. What what, what should we be talking about? Why, I I met him when he was 14 and uh, now he's like uh, my boyfriend. And uh, I've been married before, twice. And, And now I'm with him and it's great. Because, you know, we're just like children together. You can just imagine, can't you? The most boring conversation that would ever be. Uh, Steve, Robin Hood Airport has the longest runway in the country. The Vulcans were based there. Used to be an RAF base. Closed in 1996. There you go. Learn something new every day on this programme. So, can little girls just push a pram around? Or is that gender stereotyping? God, truth. Uh, somebody says, I won 2500 on the lottery a few years ago. Took the wife to buy a new oven. Cost 2900 So that win cost me £400. £2,900 for an oven? What does it do? Does it sing, sing and dance? Bum, it's, a, it's a lot of money, isn't it? But that's what you can do if, if you've got money. You can buy things. You just move up a few notches. It does seem a lot of money to me. 2900 for an oven. As I say, unless it sings to you, only open the door. As long as it doesn't sing like girls aloud, we should be all right. And uh, I'm dieting here with my coffee. My head's gone fast forward with 51 million. Thank you a bunch on that one. Yes, I mean, but it is a nice amount of money, isn't it? I think fantasy lottery is the best thing to play. It seriously is. It's fantasy lottery. Pretend you've won it. Go out today and spend the money. And then when the bank says, but you haven't got any money, go, well, I was just pretending. It's a little bit of fun, isn't it? You sort of play on the the lottery. That's what you're doing it for. You're not not going on the lottery to win £3.62. You're going there to win... 51 million or 100 million or 130 million, whatever it is. You're not going there to sort of give money to charity. You're going there to win money for yourself. That's what I'm doing it for. I couldn't give a stuff about the charity. I'm not remotely bothered. I'm sure it's all for good causes. Fantastic. But unfortunately, I'm selfish. It's coming to me. You know, I'm doing it and I'm going to go absolutely mad if I win anything like that. But I won't. But it doesn't matter because I can still have the have the fun of pretending. And the pretending bit is the best bit. I love the pretending bits. You know, after you've had a couple of drinks, if you're out with sort of friends at a pub, you can pretend you own the pub. You can pretend you're going home in a flash car. Not driving it, of course. But uh, it's, you know, it's all those things that you do. It's sort of, it's to do something different from what you do. I just go and buy lots of toy prams and give them away to little girls on the street. There you go. Do you want a pram? Have a pram. Let them all have prams. Let them upset all these other people who seem to think interfering with what other people's children do is their business. William says Robert Hardy, as well as being a fine actor, quite an authority on archery especially historical archery. I can recall he contributed to documentaries on weapons found on the Mary Rose and on uh, Agincourt. They found, uh, they found weapons in Agincourt, did they? I still delight in telling people about the Bayeux Tapestry. It's not a tapestry and it wasn't made in France. OK. And uh, somebody says, uh, Cheryl for In Conversation. I don't think she'd last. I don't think she'd go that long. Cheryl, got another question? Why, eh? Because I'm worth it. Yeah, and so uh, what was it like having baby? Why, hey, because I'm worth it. 
You know, that's all you get out. I don't think you get anything else out of her. I don't think it'd be worth having the conversation. So what was it like being part of a miming band? You know, was that interesting? How many of you talk to each other? How many of you don't talk to each other? I reckon most of them. Well, nobody seems to be talking to Sarah Harding. Can't wait to see. You know, when Sarah Harding gets kicked out, and I'm hoping it's going to be one of the early ones, unless she's going to have a complete breakdown, uh, which is what they seem to thrive on in that house. I don't know why. Why we sort of thrive on other people's misery. But when she actually gets kicked out, who is who are her friends going to be? Who are her sort of showbiz friends? And will she do the fake showbiz thing? Like, oh... God, it was an experience and I loved it and I showed people the other side of me. No, that's why we kicked you out, because you were boring and dull. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, a lot of people saying nothing more masculine, cute and sexy than seeing a man pushing a pram. And of course, my favourite time is Saturday morning, when they all sit in Starbucks. And uh, you could tell the wife's gone shopping, she's gone, take the kid out for a push around. So they go and sit in Starbucks. The kid sits there like... Bored, bored, bored. And the dad's reading the newspaper. You can see them every week. Uh, Johan says, if I won 51 million on the lottery, I can pay off most of my debts. Uh, the others will have to wait for their money. Can you imagine if you actually had debts of 51 million? Actually, I'm told if you have a debt of 51 million, that's not your problem, that's the bank's. If you've got a debt of two or £3,000, that's your problem. You know, anything up to about £30,000 is your problem. Anything over that, that's the bank's problem. They shouldn't have lent you the money in the first place or allowed you to get into debt. I don't like being in debt. I'm not, I'm not a, a, a doing a debt sort of kind of thing. I, it just it really doesn't, doesn't work for me at all. I feel like I, I've, I've been in that situation many, 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 many years ago. And, and you either sort of get through it or you don't get through it. And some people fall, fall by the wayside. And I hated it. Absolutely hated it. The idea of sort of not having any money and not really knowing where any money was coming from was uh, was not a pleasant thing. Uh, the Mirror Today have got uh, Siegfried from uh, All Creatures Great and Small, Robert Hardy, uh, who's died at the age of 91. And Dignitas, man, this is my last big adventure. He's a Parkinson's disease sufferer. He's called Andrew Tyler. He's 70. Uh, he ended his life abroad to escape the crippling pain. He said, the trip is necessary. It's my last big adventure. So he kept um, a video diary. You know, and it's it's... It's a big thing to do. I, I told you the story the other day of a woman who, because her husband had got dementia, she had to take that decision to put him into a home because his dementia was so advanced. And they did it quite carefully, a little bit, little bit underhand. They sort of made sure that the room he was going to in the, hair, uh, in the, in the care home uh, had all his favourite things in there. So his hat and all the rest of it. So he identified with it and he was chatting to the nurses. But he didn't know that he wasn't at home. He didn't know that. That, that, was, that was what the advantage was. But she said, the wife, she said she just went home and cried. Because when you see somebody you know who all of a sudden doesn't know who you are and doesn't know anything at all, and you think, how can you not know? Of course you know me. You've just spent most of your life with me. How can you not know? But people don't. And so when you read this, this uh, moving record of this man's decision to end his pain, um, he's done this assisted dying. He did, a, he did a video diary. He was out there with his friends. He was all very happy. Uh, his uh, his widow, Sarah, wants uh, a law change. And I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't really have a thought on that. I wouldn't like to think anybody in my family would uh, would do something like that. But, you know, if that's what makes somebody feel better, then you have to respect their wishes. If I was in... The amount of... Come on, you must have spoken to friends of yours. And they always say, you know, if I was in a lot of pain or something like that, then, you know, that would be the kindest thing to do. Just let me sort of go to sleep. And... Uh, but then, at the end of the day, it's it's for the people who are left, isn't it? But Andrew's done this uh, this very moving record of his decision to end the pain. 
Um, he, uh, he finishes by saying, I'm going to have to say goodbye to all this soon, my little doggies and um, everything. But I haven't wavered, and as I said before a couple of times, it's my last big adventure, and if it comes off, I'll be absolutely delighted. I shall say goodnight. I hope I get back once more to say fare thee well to me and to you, and um, that's it for now. And that was his uh, his decision. That's what he decided he wanted to do. But you have to go abroad to do it. You can't do it here. It's not uh, it's not legal. And whilst it's immensely sad, and I've seen documentaries on the television, it's an individual choice. It's nobody else's choice apart from that person. And if he was in so much pain and his quality of life was so bad, well, then that that was sort of better for him. It was like looking at little Charlie Gard, wasn't it? And thinking, this little child needs to be allowed to go peacefully. And he went very quickly after he was moved to the hospice. My thoughts were, again, not my child, not my child, but everybody's got a, everybody's got a thought, um, is to leave him in the hospital. But that wasn't the case. And then there was the other one who was on the television the other day with Eamon Holmes. And... Uh, Eamon Holmes was sort of pulled apart on uh, on social media groups. You know, all he was doing, because this little uh, boy they had in there, his parents wanted to take him to America, because he's, he's got cancer, so he's got no hair, which is actually quite normal for lots of little boys. And Eamon said, you know, it'd be nice to see you back when, when your hair grows back again. And people thought that was insensitive. I thought that was quite a nice thing to say to a little boy. You know, your hair's going to grow back. He's basically saying, I want, you know, we're looking forward to seeing you when your hair grows back again. I don't think he ever, he meant it maliciously in any way, shape or form. I can't, I just, he's not that sort of presenter. He might sometimes, you know, be a bit rude and double entendre but he's not that sort of person that comes up with things like that at all. Uh, there's a, a frail old age pension here. We love the word frail because you know what's going to follow. He's been cheating on the benefits. Yes, he was awarded £38,000 in disabilities. He claimed to be a frail old man. He ran the London Marathon twice. I want to be a frail old man. Uh, Shameless Graham Totterdell said injuries had left him needing a Zimmer frame and his wife's assistance with everyday functions. He's now admitted fraud and his wife has got some questions to answer. But it's a case of, you know, people become greedy. They see something there and they think, OK, well, you know, I'm not a, you know, I'm not a frail old age pensioner. There's another one. There was a, a para, a former para, who claimed about £7,000 uh, because he actually claimed that he couldn't, uh, he could barely walk. He climbed Kilimanjaro. I don't know what sort of disabilities you've got to have nowadays, but I tell you, some of these uh, people, we just want the money back. We just want the money back. Once you've been caught and you've been, uh, you know, put in the dock and we've all pronounced on you, and the judges pronounced, then I think we want our money back. And if that involves having to sell your house or sell your car or whatever else, well, then so be it. We want the money back. It goes to people more deserving. More deserving. Uh, an energy giant bringing in a price hike, and the paper's advice is switch to the small firms and save big. Save big. And that's it. And the other story, uh, the Harrods thief... This is a model. I mean, to be honest with you, that's totally immaterial as to what she does for a living or doesn't do for a living. She's a thief. This one here tried to steal £1,000 of designer gear. She got a conditional discharge because the judge said she had considerable talents. Yes, for thieving. Natasha Sikorska was stopped in Harrods with a Marcus Lupfer jacket, cloudy Piero shoes, a Pinko handbag and a knife. The Polish model and actress studies business management and thieving, presumably, at the same time. She's at the University of Westminster. She works as a development manager. Sikorska of Chelsea admitted the store theft on July the 5th. The magistrate 
said he would be lenient, saying, you're a newcomer to this country. You're a woman of considerable talents. You are intelligent. So she was discharged for 12 months. <laughs> Anybody else want to go and thieve out there? Make sure you get uh, this this particular magistrate. He's a, he's, a, he's a doozy, this one. You just sort of go, well, I talent, I model, you know, and all this. And that, oh, that's OK. You've come to this country, you know, and obviously you didn't understand what thieving was. Bloody hell. Mind you, there's another bunch of crooks here. You see, this is what I, w- I want to see. These are three Fagin-style thieves who use children to con their way into pensioners' homes. Joseph Fannin, Francis Morn and Jolene Marne knocked on doors holding toddlers. The tots distracted the victims as the gang nicked handbags, bank cards and cash. The trio also took thousands of pounds from one pensioner's car. Uh, the detective constable, Dave uh, Cockerbill, Cockerhill? Cockerhill, says they actively targeted the most vulnerable people. Morn of no fixed address, Fannin of Birmingham and Marne of a place called Wioli Castle were jailed for 19 years in total. That's what I want to see. Let's have more of those, please. You know, the Harrods thief with talent. You've got talent, dear. You didn't know what you were doing, you thieving old bag. Of course you knew what you were doing. You're thieving. Not just one item. Not like going into a shop and sort of pinching a cake, is it? Or something like that. Or, you know, pinch... She's deliberately targeted things from Harrods. It's an upmarket shop. It's always the people who've got the money can afford to do it. Hope she got fined very heavily. I would like to see that. Obviously, it makes a mockery of having store detectives. The whole idea is you catch people and you set them up as an example. You're going to prison, you're going to prison for a year. Two years, three years. I don't care what it is. Ridiculous. Anyway, coming up to the news at five o'clock. Welcome to Friday. It's the 4th of August. Uh, when brand ambassadors go rogue, they can't remember who's paying them to do things. <gasps> Very embarrassing. My long-lost brother lives a mile away. Uh, the long-lost man's tearful TV reunion. The boffin who has the microchip implanted into his hand so he can just wave at the, uh, the front door or the car and get in there, which is good. Uh, Danny Dyer gives a very big smile. Uh, after his six-week fling with Sarah Harding, who's uh, going through hell, and obviously it's some sort of therapy for it in the Big Brother house. It's extremely boring to watch, I have to tell you. Uh, Cheap sugar health alert, and get to the airport three hours early, because they're going to make you wait forever and a day. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. You can't move in London for posters for an American in Paris with a quote from Steve Allen. Even my friend... Two on the platform at Charing Cross. I think I'm on quite a few platforms at, uh, at Waterloo the station that grinds to a halt, I think, very, very shortly. Hopefully it's not going to affect me. I think it's, um, it's commuters and things like that. So people leaving Waterloo for the rush hour in the evening, well, that never affects me, and people coming in to Waterloo in the morning, that's going to affect a lot of people, and that doesn't affect me either. So I'm keeping my fingers crossed that me and Brian out at Twickenham Station are going to be OK. I think, I think it's going to be OK for me, but for loads of other people, it's going to be an absolute nightmare. So, Steve, we're going to see an American in Paris on your recommendation next Wednesday. I thought it was sensational. I really did. The dancing, the sets, there's just something about it. I think we're in a very good place at the moment, a very good place. Steve, my brothers used to do my hair and makeup when looking after me on our parents' nights out. They aren't gay, says Tina. You see, it's this this ridiculous people that go, oh, that's gender stereotyping. Mind your own business. Keep your beaky nose out. It's got to do with you. Look after your own children. Worry about them. Because believe you me, if you've got these uh, problems, they're going to end up with these problems. It's like, sort of, you know, parents who expose their children to the full glare of the media. The other day, little Brooklyn Beckham, 12 going on 18, more, more tattoos, um, goes out to do a book signing in New York. As opposed to leaving him to it because he's technically an adult. His father turns up with the two boys and his girl and they sit there. What do you think? Why don't you just stay away? 
Stay away. I mean, let's face it. We know he's not the brightest penny in the box and he's not the world's greatest photographer. Ain't that the truth? But, you know, they can't resist it, can they? So there was a picture, you know, of David Beckham sitting there with Harper on his lap and all this kind of thing. You think, they're just addicted to it. Perhaps it's some illness that they've got. I don't know. The uh, the long-lost brother, I never used to understand. There used to be a programme, it's still on the television now, I've just realised, called Surprise, Surprise. When Silla used to do it. Surprise, surprise, the unexpected hitch between the... Anyway, now it's hosted by Holly Willoughby, together with every other show on ITV. In fact, I think she owns ITV or something. Anyway, she's, she's on ITV all the time. And so uh, they do this surprise, surprise. And they used to go, uh, is May, come down here, love. And so May would come and sit down and she'd say, you've got a very interesting story. And you think, here we go. It's going to be a long lost relative. They'll be in Australia. And uh, so they'll sit down and they'll say to May, we always used to laugh at this because we'd go, you know, this family, you've been looking, been looking for your brother for years, haven't you? And you couldn't find him. And our researchers, who are 12 and 13, found him in about two minutes. He's living in Australia, love. But he's not in Australia tonight, is he? Because we brought him here. And then they go, come, come and meet your sister. And on comes the sister. And then sort of, it's, it's sort of, it was one of those things you think, honestly, if the researchers on Scylla's programme could find these people quite quickly, you know, why these people couldn't. And the answer is, the answer is because, it's, because you get them flown over. And there is this long-lost family, which is how my story this morning ties in with Nicky Campbell and Davina McCall. Because a close friend of the producers used to work on it and loved doing it. And this is the long-lost brother that he hadn't seen. He lives a mile away from he lives, from where he lives. How he can't have found him, God alone knows. And um, he was given up at birth, you know, which a lot of people were. And he's now met a half-brother he never knew existed, but lived just a mile away for 50 years. Steve Belshaw's mum, Frances Unsworth, was a pregnant 17-year-old when she placed a newspaper ad putting him up for adoption. In those days, it was obviously quite easy. You know, wanted. Uh, Anybody want my child? Put somebody up for adoption. Anyway, she made the decision after his father was killed in a motorbike accident and selected a couple she thought would be good parents for her child. This can't have gone through the normal process, can it? She always went, oh, you look all right. You, you two can have him. Look after him. Uh, sadly, Frances died in 2004 and Steve never got to meet her. But thanks to Davina McCall and Nicky Campbell, he learnt of his half-brother, Rob Hall. Steve, who comes from Blackpool, had never seen a photo of Frances and wept when Davina produced one. She stunned him by saying, do you know where we got it? He went, no. And he went, you've got a half-brother called Rob. And then there was further shock when he was told that the 49-year-old had also been living in Blackpool the whole time. After an emotional meeting, Steve says, to have a little brother, I never saw this in my wildest dream. Well, it's your half-brother, isn't it? So, does that count? Is that the same? I don't know. Meeting Rob has allowed me to feel closer to my birth mother. He, he's got so many memories to share. All that will help build a much clearer picture. And so they all sit there crying. I mean, it's terribly heartbreaking, isn't it? I used to cry at some of the ones on Scylla's. Seriously, Silla Black would have one of them, and I'd say, ooh. And some of them were awful, and they'd go, you know, you, you lost touch with your mother in, in the war, and she moved. She moved next door, and you haven't been able to find her ever since. So we knocked on next door, and there she is. And they'd bring them out there, didn't they? It's good. That, I mean, I, I quite like the idea, but it, it is sort of people sort of linking up with her. I remember there was, there was one family, they were looking for the mother, and when they found the mother, she didn't want to see her son. She said, no, I don't, I don't want to see him. She said, I, I, I gave him away as a child. I don't want to see him now. Do, do you not want to sort of see how he's, um, how he's sort of improved and how he's made of his life? No, not remotely interested. And you do get people like that, you know, because it was, it was quite common, I suppose, to just give people away 
to who you thought was the most deserving. So, you know, it'd be like all of a sudden somebody, you know, phoning me up and go, by the way, your mother, you know, uh, had another child and that was me and I was put in an orphanage and all that kind of thing. You'd be going, what? It would be a te- Imagine putting yourself in that situation. So they had this uh, tearful reunion on, uh, on TV. Greatest footballer of his day. Greatest footballer of his day. Sir Stanley Matthews. Sir Stanley Matthews. His first pro wage was revealed. How much was it? Fiver a week. Fiver a week. Especially as it's revealed that uh, Neymar is set to earn a million a week. That's how much it's changed, football now. Small wonder there's so much going on in it. So much going on. Fiver a week he got, and he probably would have been quite grateful. £20 a month, £240 a year. And there was no sort of sponsorship or anything like that. They didn't have that in those days. But they've actually got his, his original contract here. Signed in 1932. £5 a week, worth about today, 320 quid. 320 quid. And that was for the greatest footballer of his day. Amazing, isn't it, really? When you think how much, um, you know, times have actually changed. A lot of money. A million pound a week. I mean, that means you could buy a house every week, but it doesn't work like that, does it? People don't, people don't really do that. But that, that's how I see it. I see it as, you know... Oh, look, and- Andrea McLean's got engaged. Good God, not again. This will be for the third time. She's going to get married. She's already been married twice before, so now married again. God in heaven. Obviously, there's something the matter, isn't there? If you can't keep a marriage together... First time, you can sort of go, well, perhaps it was a trial and it went wrong. Second time, it was looking a bit bad. So now we're coming up to the third time. That is not so good, is it? Uh, but anyway, she's going to get married, so that's lovely, and I'm sure that loose women will drone on about it in the usual boring way. Like anybody cares... Andrew McLean's going to get married for the third time. Who cares? Seriously. Also, Brit drinkers are warned over 40 million bottles of fake wine. Cheap plonk. So they always, I don't know why they ever called it that. Did we ever discover why somebody called it cheap plonk? Apparently, it's been passed off as a top tipple. Uh, the country's biggest bulk merchant is under investigation. It's Cote de Rhone and Chateau Neuf de Pape. Uh, that's what they're saying it is. It's feared that 40 million bottles of counterfeit wine, costing from 20 quid to up to 100 a bottle of a sale or who have been sold across Europe. The scam is said to date back to 2013. So, in fact, if you've started buying French wine and it's either Chateau Neuf de Pape uh, or Cote de Rhone, there's a very good chance it could be, unless it's in a supermarket, fake. Uh, one particular place here, they say there's every chance some of this wine has come across the channel. Would you know, though, if you spent 20 quid on a bottle of wine, it was Cote de Rhone? Chateau Neuf de Pape is quite expensive. Would you know that? A wine expert would know that immediately. But I wonder whether or not us mere mortals would ever know what wines are supposed to take. I've got no idea. If somebody said to me, oh, you know, there's been a rush on fake Prosecco, I'd have to go, is there? I wouldn't know. I wouldn't know the difference. Mind you, I've got a few, few troubles getting the corks out at the moment. And thank God they are actually corks. Uh, Steve says, John, I had a pretty bad day yesterday. Today's going to be a long one and probably not any better. Thank you for the 4am spike and keeping me company through the hours. I had a dreadful night's sleep yesterday. Absolutely dreadful night's sleep. Uh, when Robert Hardy was at Oxford, he was taught by Lord of the Rings author J.R.R. Tolkien and Chronicles of Narnia writer C.S. Lewis, says Robbie. And um, another one here says, I've been an accountant for 26 years. Am I interesting enough to come onto In Conversation? I don't think you ever qualify for coming onto In Conversation. I mean, an accountant for that amount of... Good God, you must have the most boring, boring manifesto of all types. You know what accountants are like? I know, because I've got an accountant. My one's lovely. 
But, um, you know, generally speaking, account, they just go around with figures in their head, don't they? They can't think of anything else. It's figures. Got to write that down. Figures, that's 20% of that. Take away one-eighth. And then you get claimed that one. And so it goes on. And you think to yourself, I was never that good at, at school. As the prince's partner marks her 36th birthday, they're all going, uh, do you think that Harry is going to, uh, to wed Meghan? A friend of the actress, an old story, this one, says uh, Meghan and Harry loved each other from early on. We all expect they will get engaged soon. Who cares? So Harry, Harry gets married. I'm gonna, not going to change. I've been they've been saying for months and months they're going to get engaged. They're going to get married. Blah 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 blah. So far, diddly squat. Nothing at all. Absolutely nothing. I, don't, I think it's highly unlikely they're going to get married. I think you know all this flying backwards and forwards. Even she must be bored by it. Although intrigued at the same time as to how the royal family operates. I know that's something that's become a mystery to most of us. You're never too sure, are you? Exactly what sort of goes on within the walls of the castles and the luxury houses and everything else, because they are just, you know, I was going to say an ordinary family. I'm not sure whether ordinary kind of describes them. But uh, will he actually get married or is he just sort of, you know, having a bit of fun with her? Who knows? I've got no idea. I really, really don't. Good Lord, what funny makeup that girl's got on Sky News. There's a girl on um, one of the jewellery channels and she's got, she looks like she's come out of the Adams family. She's got the worst eye makeup I've ever seen. She's done little sort of flick-ups at the end of it, like with eyeliner, which it just looks really bizarre. I looked at her, she was on this morning. And again, they, the, the garbage that they come up with on the, these jewellery channels, it's hilarious. You know, this one is on our website at 6,600. You think, yeah, it'll be down to 29.99 in about five minutes' time. You know, these are the most sought after, the most luxury. I don't know who, they, who these jewellery channels or people selling jewellery on the television appeal to. Because unless you've actually seen it... You can't tell what it really looks like, can you? I think you need to see something. So if you're going to buy jewellery, then you see it. I know they say, oh, you can have a 30-day money guarantee, 30-day money-back guarantee. But to be honest with you, I'd want to see it. If I wanted to buy jewellery, I'd go to a jewellery shop. I wouldn't be buying anything. It all looks different. Although I am fascinated by the, by the selling of it and how the prices come down and how these poor creatures operate. And I say creatures because some of it is just absolutely pitifully awful. They, they seem to express surprise at the drop of a hat, which I always laugh at, actually. Always laugh at. Uh, Daily Mail will come round to how Diana used her makeup as a weapon. And uh, as the EU border chaos hits holidaymakers, the Brits have now... But it's always us, isn't it? Always us. Get to the airport three hours early. I thought if you're going to America, you've got to do that anyway. But this is the EU borders. So, uh, problemo. So get to the airport a little bit earlier, because otherwise you'll be standing around getting very short-tempered and you might not get the holiday in that you thought you were going to get in. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. It's amazing how uh, outraged people are about this model who was caught thieving from Harrods. You know, she was targeting top-class names and everything else. Makes you wonder whether or not this is a career criminal we're looking at here. She's been let off, though, because apparently she's talented uh, the majority of people are lashing out and say, what does that say about the system? That if you're a female offender, young and beautiful, you can walk away. As I say, she might have been thieving for, for ages and ages. We don't, I don't know about anything like this. But because she was talented, I mean, she went there, she targeted shoes, uh, a coat, all sorts of things. You know, a German designer, favourite of the Duchess of Cambridge. <coughs> She's not stupid. She knew what she was going for. And she went for it. She's been let off. Been, I mean, it just doesn't make any sense at all, does it? The law is, as they say in this country, a complete ass, ladies and gentlemen. What have we got a picture of this morning? Ooh, lovely. Manuka honey. Manuka honey. My favourite. Only if I'm ill, though. Only if I'm ill. I haven't seen that particular Manuka honey. Let's have a quick look. Which one is this one? This is uh, 100% pure New Zealand. Because it can only come from New Zealand. 
Manuka honey. Can't come from anywhere else. I don't know why, perhaps. Obviously, obviously the bees only are out there. I've not seen it. This one looks quite nice. I've, I've had Manuka cream before. When I say cream, uh, you know, surgical cream, you know, for sort of eczema and stuff like that. Uh, and you can get Manuka, Manuka um, plasters as well, which I think is quite clever. But if ever I get the sore throat, which, bless my doctor and everybody else, I haven't had for ages, um, it's Manuka honey with a little bit of turmeric in it. Little tiny bit of turmeric, but Manuka honey was delicious. And we went through a phase, you remember, about a couple of years ago, that um, I got this dreadful cough during the programme. And I could barely speak, you know, a dozen words without having to go for a cough. In the end, people writing going, oh, it sounds absolutely terrible. Anyway, they've obviously come back to the fold now, so that's, uh, that's OK. Uh, so anyway, just going back to this, uh, to this model, as I say, just because she was caught, it doesn't mean to say that she's never done anything like this before. Because she was so meticulous at doing it, but obviously not very clever, because she did get caught. I'd love to have been the, uh, the security guard who actually got her. And then the other one was another one. So this is a, a billionaire heiress. She's a drunk. She's a drunk. She went on a 17-hour all-night drinking binge while looking after a child. She's been fined just £500. That's it, £500. Her name is Nicole Ochinakivova. She started boozing after arriving at a Canary Wharf hotel in East London at 20 to 6 with a child and a male friend and was still drinking around 10.30 the following morning. She obviously needs to get some medical help. In a police interview, she admitted to sharing three bottles of wine with her friend last March, saying she was upset because her former partner was having a baby with her best friend. Uh, she said to have once been friends with Kate Moss, claimed she'd had two glasses, the manager said she couldn't walk. And uh, what does she get fined? £500. £620 court costs and a £50 victim surcharge. When they do court costs, I'm being a bit naive, as you can well imagine. So the court costs for the woman who thieved were, um, uh, from Harrods, £20 victim surcharge. £20? Is, this, is, the, is the magistrate in the real world or something? What message does that send out? That if you're a good-looking, you know, Russian or Polish or whoever it happens to be, or just anybody, just go and thieve because you've, you've got talent. I mean, you know, you quite like to go around her place and go, how does she afford all of this? You know, that's what I'd be wanting to do. It drives me mad, Amzi. And yet they're now looking at tougher jail sentences in the battle to end the acid attacks. And uh, they've rocketed. 454 acid attacks last year. That's up 73%. Up 73%. And uh, the rise in the number of assaults has been blamed on gangs carrying out street robberies on mopeds and scooters. And they just drive in. You know, if you see, I mean, as far as I'm concerned now, you see two people on a scooter. I never have the car windows down anyway. And, you know, I feel sorry for anybody who's sort of got maybe a sports car. Because, you know, you want to drive, you know, feel the wind rustling through your hair. That's never going to happen again for me. But you but you sort of worry about these things that, you know, somebody can pull up alongside. And I've seen the footage. I've seen the video footage. And you think to yourself, this is just wrong. These people are getting away with it. They're laughing. They're laughing because the police are powerless. Police can't do anything. They need to change the things. You know, up until now... The police will not change somebody who's not wearing a helmet, charge, uh, chase them. But 90% of the ones I've seen, they're wearing helmets. Knock them off the bikes. Knock them off the bikes. Who cares what happens to them? Knock them off the bikes. Get them nicked in, in custody. Get, get it sorted as quick as possible. All this, you know, mamby-pam being around. No, thank you very much indeed. We're far too an easy touch. Far too an easy touch. It's like the benefits cheat who could barely walk. This is uh, Graham Todd. He's super fit. Super fit. He's been claiming benefits totaling eight, sorry, £38,000. £38,000. I mean, one of them, he was running races under another name. He was using the wife's name. 
But uh, he'll be sentenced soon. But he's not the frail old man he was pretending. He's a marathon runner. To run a marathon, as anybody will tell you, my best friend will tell you, you've got to be super fit. You can't just get out there and run. I mean, you know, the producer and I, we couldn't run marathons. We wouldn't get... We, we, we have enough trouble running for the... I always say, I'm not running for the bus. If we miss it, we miss it. I'm, I'm certainly not running for it. I don't want to look silly. You know, we have sort of speeded up a little bit, but we're not going to be running like, you know, running. Whereas years ago, I'd have gone, wait, wait. Not now. I'm not going to embarrass myself. If the bus turns up there and I'm not there, well, then tough. The bus just has to, to go. Oh, Brendan Cole is touring again. They must be very confident with these sort of dance show kind of things because he's doing loads of dates. I've just noticed, actually, they're all for next year. They're actually booking in next year for Brendan Cole with a show called All Night Long. And it's him dancing. Unfortunately, the poor girl he's dancing with doesn't even get a mention. It's just dancing. Brendan Cole dancing. He's calmed down a bit, hasn't he? He's calmed down a bit. But it's a long thing. He's literally doing sort of, you know, it's night after night after night. You know, by the time he gets to Grimsby, <laughs> it's Grim in Grimsby, the auditorium on uh, the 16th. I think that's February. The 17th is in Ipswich. 18th, Brighton Dome. 21st, Perth Concert Hall. 22nd, Inverness Eden Court Theatre. He's doing that on the 23rd as well. Uh, 22nd and 23rd. 24th, he's at Dunfermline, the Alhambra. The 25th, Glasgow. Then into March. 1st, 2nd, 3rd, 4th, 4th. Blimey. He's got two lots, actually. The Califan Millennium Cymru... Wales Millennium Centre. He seems to be doing that twice. Sunday, perhaps it's a matinee. And then he's doing the ten- He gets a long break, actually. And then he heads off to Scumthorpe for the 10th. The 11th, he's in Bristol. Crawley's on the 14th. Cambridge on the 15th. Chester, 17th. 18th, Newcastle. 20th, Wolverhampton. And uh, the 25th, Bromley. Where's London featuring this? Oh, he does Southend, the Cliffs Pavilion. Da, da, da. Doesn't seem to do anything in London. Nothing, we don't even get a look in. Well, you're normally in London, you think so, wouldn't But it's not. There's no, no dates in Bromley. It's Kent. Bromley. I was born in Bromley. It's, yeah, they say that London Borough, that just makes them feel better, doesn't it, for the people who go and nick cars. You know, it's, it's, but it's, it's not really. I don't think it is. Bromley Churchill Theatre. But that's not, you know, I was expecting something in London. You know, like Leicester Square Theatre or something. That obviously has got to be a little bit bigger than that. Uh, when brand ambassadors go rogue, I love this story. As Dame Helen Mirren, who is paid to promote cosmetics, dismisses moisturiser, they've looked at other disasters of endorsers putting their foot in it. Most notorious, of course, was the most notorious person, Gerald Ratner, who actually described one or two of his company's products as uh, as crap. It's, you know, that, and that, unfortunately, kind of sealed his fate. It entered, you know, the, uh, the English language, doing a Ratner. He said one of his firm's earrings were cheaper than an M&S prawn sandwich, but probably wouldn't last as long, because people want cheap jewellery, hence the, uh, the programmes on the television. Uh, also, uh, I can remember doing a, um, an anti-smoking thing for cancer with a well-known actress who's now a producer, and um, I forget what I was doing there. must have been some reason. Anyway, perhaps I was hosting it. And, um, and she lit up a cigarette, and I said, put it out. She said, why? I said, it's for cancer. So she made it, she went, oh, gold, and stubbed out the cigarette. Uh, the Barclays chief executive, Matt Barrett, shocked observers by suggesting that consumers should stay clear of his company's product, the Barclay card, because it was so expensive. Actually, we got a thing the other day, Barclays are not paying interest on any of their accounts now, unless you've got a million pounds. We had that the other day for the company that we have, uh, and we've got a, an interest 
bearing account. It's only a little, I mean, it's pathetic, seriously. You get more if you go and invest in an ice cream van, I should imagine. But they said they're, they're only going to do it for accounts with over a million pounds now. They're not paying any interest on any of the other accounts. Sounded a bit odd, didn't it, really? Uh, also, uh, supermodel Naomi Campbell once claimed she'd rather go naked than wear fur. Since then, she's uh, been uh, wearing loads of clothes by dead animals. Uh, Naomi, who was branded a turncoat, said rather wearing, I like fur, but I don't wear it a lot. I'm sorry, dear. Again, engage brain before opening silly little mouth. I'd rather go naked than wear fur. Oh, look, there's you wearing fur, dear. That'll be a dead animal. I did see somebody saying that to somebody ages ago. Uh, Martin Clunes was dropped by a car insurance company after totting up 12 points for speeding. <laughs> Doesn't really help, does it? And um, Sharon Stone, face of one of Christian Dior's skincare lines, caused an outcry with remarks labelling an earthquake in China as karma for recent Chinese actions in Tibet. Despite her saying she was deeply sorry and offering to do relief work, the beauty company was forced to drop her from ads in China and cinemas, stopped running her films as well. You don't make a big mistake, do you? You can't afford to... If somebody's paying you money for things, you can't afford to sort of bite the hand that feeds. It doesn't really work. Do you know that there's over a third... A, a third, teeth right, Stephen? A third of over 65s have never used a computer. Not the ones who listen to this programme. I'm telling you, we've got more silver surfers on LBC than anything else. But a third of over 65s have never used a computer. Can you believe that? I don't believe that. I think people are far more savvy. Far more savvy on computers. I mean, probably doing better than than I could be, actually. Maggie says, could you stop being less entertaining for the next hour? I'm trying to get to sleep. OK. I'll try and be dull like some other programmes, you know, but can't do it, really. It's not my kind of thing. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. 27 minutes to six. It's Friday. I know you're breathing a sigh of relief going, thank the Lord for Friday. Because we've had wind, rain, autumnal weather. I don't know what today's going to bring. Probably going to be more miserable. I keep I keep finding umbrellas at home. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I keep thinking, right, I must take the umbrella today. And then I found a little umbrella that I had, which is, I mean, like micro umbrella, which is really good, actually. I was quite quite pleased about that. And then I thought, no, if we have the, the wind as we had yesterday, it's going to be absolutely dreadful. Absolutely dreadful. Um, and um, <laughs> Lucy says, uh, loving the Steve Allen show because she, she's uh, she's doing another show. Just up here is Lucy. She's doing it upstairs. She'll be uh, stuck. I think we're sort of JK as well, actually. On the early breakfast shift, we're number one. I, I tweeted the other day. So I was a bit excited by that. I mean, I have been number one for quite some time, actually. But it's, it's, it's only because I keep, I keep willing it to sort of drop off the edge. And in fact, all it does, it just keeps increasing. Which is very embarrassing. I mean, seriously. You know, I've got shelves at home groaning with awards. You know, abs... Well, one. And, uh, and that's just basically we're still being alive. I think, uh, but then, but then the boss phoned me the other day. I knew it was the boss because he, he reversed the charges, and um, and I always sort of go hello, and he go oh hello, Steve. I uh, just like to his voice has changed a little bit over the years, as you can imagine, and um, he's going oh fantastic, you're on his figures. And to be honest with you, we've got loads of really great Jonathan Shallot, who as you know seems to have every celebrity under the sun on his books apart from me. Not that I'm a celebrity. I'm not a celebrity. I wrote that in a book that I brought out some years ago. Still available, I believe. And um, it's called So You Want to Be a Celebrity. And it basically tells you how to sort of either have a relationship with somebody who's more famous than you and then sort of sell it. But anyway, he was, he, he's listened to LBC for years. And so he likes me, he likes Nick Ferrari. And, of course, he knows my big, big boss, Ashley, very, very well indeed. So we copied him in on it. I thought I was a bit excited by that. I've never been copied in on anything for Ashley. But uh, it was lovely. And, you know, really, really nice, nice people have been really, really nice all the time. So we're very grateful. 
very grateful that sort of people people listen. Because, as you know, at four o'clock in the morning, it's, it's a difficult audience to, uh, to deal with. So I thought, if we just do it in our own way, which sounds as though we're just sort of being a bit moany about it, then it might work. And surprisingly, it does work. We're like a little team here. You know, I tweeted yesterday about how, you know, it's, the team are always sort of there for you, sometimes. And uh, when you don't want them to be, they're there. And uh, no, it's quite nice, because it's, it, it has to work. It has to work. And it's not that difficult. You sit down, they give you a pile of papers. I get free coffee. Free! Don't have to pay for it. It's not an... Im- what? Free free coffee? Oh, right. It's not, what, 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 it's, it's not hard for me. For other people. Yeah, it's really difficult. This is a really difficult show. We struggle some mornings, but luckily we pull it all together. And uh, I think I have to do, do the script again differently for the... Sorry, so we have, we have a script that goes into the, the six-hour... Which will re- should we re-record that this morning? Because it's the only time I get a little break. So if it sounds, if it sounds like I've recorded something again, we used to do that actually. Uh, yes, yeah, we used to do. It. But I would, I could do it in real time. So we would record something, and I would give time checks. So when it played out, little trickier of the trade, because uh, other people do it, and then it, it would sound like I was actually live on the program. And uh, because I was giving, t- I'd say sort of it's 24 minutes to six. And people go, it is 24. You go, yeah, because I've recorded it in real time. And it was, it was much easier, see? It's almost like recording a news bulletin or something like that. And people sort of going, you know, was that a recorded news bulletin? You go, absolutely not. No, it's live. You think, who is it? Somebody said they saw somebody weeks ago. And they, they couldn't believe that the, the programme was going out. It wasn't here. And they, but, the, but the presenter wasn't saying anything. That yet they were speaking on the radio. So they obviously record links or something like that. I mean, some people do it. A friend of mine, Ian, was very good at doing things like that. It doesn't work for me, really. It doesn't work to me. You know, you've got to have the immediacy of radio, and especially when you've got the newspapers, and I'm missing the Daily Star. Did you get a Daily Star this morning? Because I didn't, I didn't get one. That's the a, that's a second time that we've not had a Daily Star. I'm assuming it's just got stuff about Big Brother in it and Sarah Harding's practically on the verge of a nervous breakdown. Because it was heading that way yesterday in the diary room where she sort of, every so often she sort of go, and I just want people to... I thought, oh God, here we go. I want people to see the real me. And I thought, I don't want to see the real you. We're sort of, we're watching the... Pro- There's no point in watching people sitting around talking about their dreary existences. I'm looking for a little bit more. I'm looking for somebody to be a bit more gutsy and do it. But then unfortunately the only time they're actually gutsy on that programme is when they're drunk. Which they say, the other night, Paul Dannon, he's, a, he's another one heading for it, isn't he? He sort of wandered in to say to all the, uh, what's that? All the people, front page of the start is, Donald Trump tells North Korea, sleep with one eye open. Oh, God. It's the last thing we need, isn't it? Donald Trump threatening North Korea. How far away is North Korea from us? If they can hit America, could they? are we closer to them? I don't know. I always think it's slightly dangerous, little Kim Jong-un, little short fat man with funny haircut, you know, so sleep with one eye open. I thought the other day Donald Trump said something else. You never know what to believe in these things, do you? Sometimes we, we, we say we like people and then we say we don't like people. Anyway, Paul, Paul Dannon, in the Celebrity Big Brother house, he says, moving away from it very quickly, uh, goes out to the people sitting outside smoking and drinking uh, and says, can you all come to bed because they won't turn the lights off until we're all in. It's, you know, it's, the whole programme is designed quite clearly. You know, to actually get somebody to have a breakdown or shout or throw something or do something terrible. Uh, You won't believe this one, says Neil. He says, I went up to Sawbridgeworth yesterday to collect my prescription, pulled up in the car park, uh, the supermarket there, and was just disconnecting my mobile when a car pulled up next to me, a lady around 35, driving with two children, one about two, the other three to four-ish, 
Back windows, where the children were strapped in, were more than half open. Me, still in my car, the lady gets out of the car, leaving the kids on full show, windows still open, off mum went, into the supermarket. He said I couldn't believe what I was seeing. I got out of the car and stood in front of our two vehicles and waited at least five minutes until the, uh, the woman returned holding an open bag of sweets. I said, I can't believe you just left your children alone in the car and all the windows are open. She gave me an exaggerated smile, put another sweet in her mouth and got in the car, not a care in the world. Talk about inviting trouble. I know, she'd be the first one to come back and go, where's the car gone? With the children. I came away in disbelief. Anybody could treat their children with such insignificance and lack of love. I've got her reg number and I'm thinking of reporting it to the police. What do you think? Well, I mean, to be honest with you, if she's done that... She's probably done it loads of times before. People do that. They seem to think that they can leave children in a car and just go off. I'd have had the police around there immediately. Actually, even before we got to that stage. It's a bit like, you know, a bit late now. But in, but I'd have called the police immediately and said there are two children sitting in a car by themselves. And the police would come around and then say to her or him or whoever it happened to be, you know, you're not allowed to leave children alone in a car. It doesn't matter where they are. You've got to be the stupidest person ever. And, that, and the police would do that. You, you would say, listen, there's two children sitting in a car. There's no adults here and the windows are open, half open. Anybody could have come, squirted something in the windows, got in, hot rodded the car, whatever they call it. Not hot rodded it, whatever. What do they call it when they take hot wired, hot rodding, something completely different, I believe. But uh, anyway, yeah, so they, so they sort of hot, hot wired the car and, uh, and they, they could have driven away with it, with two children. Then she'd be going, where are the children gone? You go, well, you just walked off and left them, didn't you? Or somebody hot-rodded it, wired your car. And, you know, otherwise, you know, it's stupid, isn't it? I would be annoyed about I get annoyed about the stupidest things now. I've discovered, actually, I'm more like Victor Meldrew the older I get. Mind you, I was like Victor Meldrew before... No, before Vic, Victor Meldrew... What do you want? What do you want? You want a what? You want a bit... You're not having any biscuits. They're not for you. Not for fat people. These are for thin people. These are biscuits. Somebody... My, my driver this morning... So he's not, not the producer, this is the newsreader, Paul Smith, who's gone completely, completely off kilter. My driver this morning, we come all the way in, and uh, then we get halfway into town, and then he turns around and he goes, would you like a polo? <laughs> would you like a polo? We haven't known nothing, no word had been said since we'd set off from Twickenham on the trek with Hannibal and the elephants over the blooming Alps. And, and then he turns around and goes, would you like a polo? So I go, no, I'm fine. He said, they're sugar-free. Like, that was supposed to be the incentive. I was supposed to then leap up and down with excitement in the back of the car, go, well, sugar-free, give to me. But I didn't, because I was told never to accept sweets from strangers. So I didn't, uh, I didn't take it. You're not having a biscuit, OK? You're not having them. Not... I'm going to throw them away. You're not having them. You're not having them. But no, not one for the road. There is no one for the road round here. Go away. Go away. Shoo. Honestly, one of those irritating people. You know, you go and buy some sweets from Pick and Mix. Can I have one? No, go away. Or failing that, the other day we had it with the newsreader, who's become very irritating. Uh, it's fine when he's doing the news. It's privately as mad as a fruitcake. And, uh, and we had some uh, Frutella sweets. Oh, I, I, I don't want that one. I want, uh, I want uh, the strawberry one. And so we go through the whole packet so we can find the strawberry one. And then we had the trouble with the grapes yesterday. The they don't taste like candy floss grapes. Oh, yes, they do says the newsreader. They taste like, and I said, no, they didn't. And they didn't taste like candy floss. I don't care what half the news desk said. They didn't. Simon Cowell out there will probably back me up, I should imagine, and say they don't taste of candy floss. It's as simple as that. It's just, it's a make. They don't taste of... Ca- candy floss is pink. It's sugar. It's, I mean, they were sweet, but that doesn't... You know, it, yeah, I know. 
I know, it doesn't, oh, doesn't matter, honestly. I get so stressed here. Seriously, small wonder I'm losing my hair. Small wonder I sit here in the morning. I used to have a full head of hair when I started at the station. A full head of hair, blonde, luxury. I was like, I was like an Amazon, not, not the, the retailer. I was like sort of an Amazonian type person, you know, sort of long flowing blonde hair and everything like that. I used to be fit. I actually used to be a fit person. Now, I do look at fit people in the office and I always think... Do you have to work at it, or is it is it just naturally some people don't put on weight and some people have naturally got a body? There was a programme on the television last night looking at a gay guy who decided that he would bear all for gay times, but he went round talking to other people who had body problems. There was one guy who was anorexic because he thought he looked big, and then there were body bits because everybody goes to gyms. You turn on Love Island now, they all look like they've walked out of the magazine physique or something like that. Yeah, No, they haven't got your bodies. Nobody's got your body. At all. Yours, yours is like two bodies, isn't it? Morphed together. You and Ina Campbell. And <laughs> I'm not telling you which bit is which. <laughs> it's true, though, isn't it? We're all obsessed with the way that we look. So I do spend a lot of my time in this bit because everybody's so young. Seriously, you look at the people in there and you think, have you ever been fat? Have you ever been overweight? And the answer is, no, they haven't. No, they haven't. So you sort of look at them with sort of slight envy. Anyway, a lot more from Paul Smith, the newsreader, during the best of tomorrow morning from five, I'm afraid. Yeah, you cannot escape him. He'll be doing signings or something like that very, very shortly. Uh, yes, we should do our own show. I think not. I think, uh, I think we'll keep it as the Steve Allen show, which dominates the early morning breakfast audience. Have a nice day. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. It's funny, actually, we were just looking at the picture on the front page of The Times this morning, which is of the uh, the shoplifter, the woman who stole a £1,000 worth of goods from Harrods and was given a conditional discharge by the magistrates who praised her considerable talents. <laughs> you can't make it up, really, can you? I thought we were supposed to be cutting down on that kind of thing. I thought the whole idea was that, you know, if somebody starts stealing from somebody, like Harrods, presumably, for Harrods, £1,000... I mean, I don't know what the what the theft rate is in Harrods. I should imagine they probably lose more than that. But they managed to catch this one because she looks as though she wouldn't be a shoplifter. Do you know what I'm, I'm saying? You get some people who would look, as they come in, you would see the people looking, going, you look as though you're a shoplifter. I could spot them a mile off. I could spot them a mile off, especially around, uh, around Twickenham. But uh, she goes in there and people say, oh, no, she doesn't look as though she's going to be shoplifting. That's exactly the person who goes shoplifting. You know, that's why it's so ridiculous. You, you've come to this country. She's been here for ages. Been here for ages. She's working. She's, uh, she's, you know, she might be very talented. Still doesn't alter the fact she's a thief. But uh, we seem to be very lenient on that thing nowadays. What message does it send out? The answer is it sends out a message that if you're young and pretty and you shop in Harrods and you shoplift from there, you can get away with it. Provided you get the same, um, the same magistrate. Ridiculous, honestly. It really is. Steve, I had a child's push chair, says Jenny, with a teddy bear. I didn't like dolls. I remember walking with Teddy with Mum and Dad through the foot tunnel in the mid-50s from Greenwich, the Isle of Dogs and back. This is the story about the prams, which have come out from a company and they're designed to, for little girls because little girls have prams. And uh, there's a, a little group, couple of groups saying, oh, this is dreadful. It, it reinforces gender stereotypes, you know, like. Little girls want to play with pram. They're little girls. They're playing with a pram, for God's sake. You know, it's interfering adults that give kids probably, you know, these dreadful nightmares of what they're supposed to be playing with and what they're not supposed to be playing with. So, in other words, if you've got a fire engine, it makes a lot of noise. Only little boys can play with it. No, it should be for everybody to play with. 
So, in other words, you know, having a pram, why shouldn't little boys play with it? Well, because traditionally it's little girls that play with it. But you get these interfering groups. But you could have this discussion. James O'Brien could probably talk about this for, for ages and ages this morning. On what's a gender stereotype? What toys did you have as a child that defined your sex? The answer is, if it's a football, that's for boys. If it's a netball, that's for girls. You know, different things, aren't there? Sort of dollies dressing up. Uh, that that means it's only for, come on, dollies would only be for girls. No, no, that's for boys as well. Boys can play with dolls too, because you don't want to reinforce gender stereotypes. I mean, listen, you know, it's just interfering people. You do worry about it, don't you? Is it is a teddy bear unisex? That's what I'd have to inquire. If, if you've got children, you know, do you, I mean, I'm imagining that if they're young children, they play with all sorts of different toys. They don't, they don't think about... You know, that toys. Kids just play with toys. They've got this experiment on the television at the moment, which is very clever. It's little children, three years old, two, three, four, I think, in an old people's home. And little children don't see old people. They just see people. They don't have any any preconceived notions of what these old people are. And they're very old. Some of these old people are sort of 80s. They're in their 80s. But the kids just want to be read a story and they've got favourite stories. Which story should we... Can we read the story about the bad witch? Because kids, even though they've read the story a million times, they still want it to be read to them. I was always very popular because I could read stories. I would do, I would do the voices as well, you know. Kind of a little bit annoying, I can imagine. But, you know, to, to watch these old people. And it gives them a bit of a lease of life as well. Because here are young people with their whole lives ahead of them, two and three, and they don't see anything. They don't see any prejudice. They don't see anything. Parents are the ones who give them that, or interfering busybodies. So when you've got a company that's got these, these prams, they're very pretty. They are for girls. You know, a boy can push one, but they're deliberately targeted at girls. But they say that's, that's gender stereotypes, you know. And you think, yeah, well, girls have babies. Unfortunately, at the moment, as far as I know, boys don't have babies. It's not physically possible. They're not designed like that. So why shouldn't you have a pram? You know, bicycles. Do they have to be a certain colour to be a boy's bike? Or does it have to be a certain colour to be a girl's bike? You know, a, a, a girl's bike can be covered in glitter and dangly things from the handlebars. That would be a girl's bike. No, it can be a boy's bike as well. You know, so gradually. So so can girls dress up as, you know, when, when they're dressing up? A boys can presumably dress up as the character from Frozen. Doesn't make any difference, does it, really? Or is that just for girls? Do only girls wear dresses? Or can boys wear dresses? You know, and what happens, you know, do, do boys want to wear dresses? Do they, they don't know. They're just little children. They're just little children with interfering people around them. Uh, no chance of Cheryl returning to the X Factor. Thank God for that. Because we don't really need her on there. She just sat there probably three hours in makeup and hair and all the rest of it and then uh, sat there. But she didn't really know enough about the business. I would rather somebody like... Louis Walsh was on the panel. Nicole Scherzinger, I'm not really bothered about. She advertises yoghurt. The Pussycat Dolls were a million years back, and they weren't that exciting anyway. I remember seeing them. I went to a Royal Variety performance, and the Pussycat Dolls were on. I thought they were dreadful. Dreadful. Absolutely. And, uh, and unfortunately, since then, we've had to suffer with Scherzinger, who could have appeared on Broadway in Cats, but then got offered a chance to do something else over here, so ditch that one. And uh, as I say, I'm quite surprised she gets work in America. Very surprised. Uh, Mark in Hayes in Kent. I'd never even heard of Hayes in Kent, but the producer assures me it does exist. He says, we're listening on the Orient Express, celebrating my 20th wedding anniversary. What year is tw- 20th wedding anniversary? Oh, 20 years, isn't it? If it's 20th wedding anniversary. <laughs> Duh. Uh, and then I met uh, Kevin the other day. Kevin works for Abilio which is the buses in uh, Twickenham. I was at Costco, and he's going off, I think it's in 
God, I can't remember when it is. October, November, something like that, uh, to do a cruise to celebrate his 60th birthday. And he's doing a, queue, uh, a cruise on the Queen Elizabeth uh, from Southampton. 20th is China. That's, ch- that's not, not the place. That's what you get. You give people. Because I don't subscribe to that. You just say it's somebody's wedding anniversary. I've got a wedding coming up in our family. And I, don't, I never know what to buy people. Because if people live together, they've generally got everything, haven't they? And I don't know what to get somebody. So what I tend to get, what I tend to get, on the odd occasions I get invited, you know, before I embarrass myself totally over the Prosecco, uh, is uh, a picture frame. But a nice one. They do one in, in uh, Zhirovsky, that shop that does all the little diamantes. And it's a diamante-studded frame. And that's ideal, because that's, that's sort of like a, a gift that you can, can keep have, having fun with. And Because I couldn't think of anything else. I don't know what to buy somebody for a wedding. Different if it's the old-fashioned weddings where people go, well, you know, we haven't lived together. Nowadays, people are shacked up. They've been shacked up for ages. And then, I mean, it's like saying, you know, Prince Harry gets married. Well, do you not think he's got everything? Do you think he's ever been out and bought a cooker or an oven or a kettle? Of course he hasn't. hasn't done anything like that. That's what they have staff for. And so when you buy people something nowadays, it's, they've already got it. People send out wedding lists. It generally involves, can we have money? People want money, don't they? So, I mean, I don't know. I'm always sort of interested as to what you buy somebody who's, who's got probably everything. And so it comes down to this, um, this blooming picture frame. <laughs> that's, about, that's about as good as I get, I'm afraid. I'm, I'm deeply unimaginative. Uh, Steve, I've often wondered whether everybody texts you doing the Saturday morning best-of show. Occasionally, apparently, I'm told. Occasionally. But, but they don't, I don't think people realise it's the best of Steve Allen. They haven't because they hear you chatting away, and they haven't quite worked out that it's the best of Steve Allen, which means that uh, it's what I call Memorex. And even though it does sound different from normal normal program, I don't know what's on this week's. What's on this week's? But lots of Paul Smith and bits of Big Brother, and that oh, and cycling as well because that's that's tomorrow morning between five and six, and then between six and seven it's in conversation. Rachel Riley. Uh, who's had a, a few little problems with rude words on Countdown. And she does the 8 out of 10 uh, Cats Does Countdown thing with Jimmy Carr, who we love. And uh, and the other guest is Dominic Cooper. You'll know Dominic from tons of things. The History Boys, Mamma Mia. And uh, he's got uh, a show he's back in, which is on Netflix. So we'll tell you about that a little bit later on as well. And uh, Steve, loving the show. Congrats to you and the team for getting the recognition you all deserve. It's, you know, it's run through the whole station. It's just, um, you can't wipe the smile off people's faces in this building. It's very good. Thought you handled your hot wire, hot rod Freudian slip with elegance. You know what they say about uh, Freudian slips? Yes, I, I do, actually. I do, all the time. <laughs> Oh, dear. And the other one, uh, tanker driver Phil says, I've just been diagnosed as type 2 diabetes. What, this time in the morning? Blimey, it's a bit early, isn't it, really? I don't know, doctors were open at this time. And uh, I'm told with diet and exercise, I should be able to control it and even reverse it. But thank you to you and your openness. I've not freaked out. You see, I'm, I don't. I mean, you know, I've heard people say, oh, I'll do anything not to become diabetic. It's, and you, you have to learn to live with it. You just learn to live it. I learn to live with it and control it. I just, you know, that's the way it is. I'm not going to get upset over it because I managed to make it this far in life. If I can make it this far, I think I can probably go a little bit, a little bit further on. hope so, anyway. Because it, it, it doesn't appear to be stopping me doing anything at the moment. You know, now we've sorted out the heart, which was a problem. Uh, um, you know, I think it's all, it's all good. Uh, but uh, Phil says, I've cut out alcohol. Well, that's very good. Except for some wine at the weekends, and I'm trying to learn about carbs. But as for drinks, it's the soft drinks. Yes, yes. Terrified of affecting my licence. 
well, you could be on a restricted. I spoke to somebody yesterday, apparently. Uh, if you drive buses, you can drive buses with diabetes, provided, and I can't remember exactly what I was told about this now, I might get this wrong, over three periods, a three-period test or something, if you haven't had an attack or something like that, you can drive a bus with diabetes. Because what people are frightened about, if you've got diabetes, are you going to have a hypo at the wheel? And the answer is, I've never even been anywhere near a hypo, so I feel it, but I'm on a restricted licence, which I think a lot of diabetics uh, could be on. Uh, Mike says, I was shocked the other day when a mum lit a cigarette in a people carrier with two newborn babies and a toddler. I'm a highway maintenance. And uh, it was in the road. We stood in front of the car and said, do you uh, realise and realise how bad that is? And she said, uh, the windows are open and uh, I'll do as I please. Yes, I mean, I, uh, I don't have a problem with things like that because normally the sort of people who are going to smoke in front of their children are the sort of people who are going to smoke in front of their children. And that's it. Uh, if you develop a taste for for green coloured sweets, you end up with lots more than anybody else because nobody likes them, says Sue. Oh, no, no, I thought green. I quite like green sweets. I didn't know there were any green sweets, actually. Is that like Smarties or something like that? Would it be green Smarties? I don't have any aversion to anything like that. I'm, I'm sort of I'm, I'm quite lucky. Uh, I'm just allergic to certain sauces now, I've discovered. It's getting worse and worse. All Creatures uh, with Robert Hardy was a quality programme. What Saturdays used to be about, says Mark. Scenes with him and Tristram, Peter Davison, great comedy actors. And um, and Grace says, I met a lady, 92 in Scotland last year. Uh, uh, she's got an iPad, but I will try and buy some of those uh, candy floss grapes this morning. Well, Paul Smith is totally convinced they taste of candy floss. I thought they just tasted like a sweet grape. Apparently, people who smoke with kids in cars should be fined. Uh, that's according to the law in England and Wales, but I don't think anybody's ever been fined. The police can't be bothered. They really can't be bothered. Put t- all that paperwork... Good Lord, I'm not surprised they don't bother with it. News at six coming up. It's Friday. It's the 4th of August. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast as we head into the uh, the weekend. Uh, the... Uh, Boffin, who's got this microchip implanted into his hand so he can open the car and he can open the house as well. Get to the airport three hours early. There's going to be a hold-up. Cheap sugar, health alert, fake wine. Be very careful if you're offered cheap wine. The chances are, if anybody ever offers you cheap wine, take it from me, it's fake. I know you think it probably isn't, but I promise you it would be. They're also trying to find who's got... The lotto tickets worth 51 million quid. They bought it a week ago. Nobody's come forward. It's not me. Is it you? You have to let them know as quickly as possible. And the EastEnders star facing jail after admitting child sex offences. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Got to be here somewhere, hasn't it? Sorry, hang on. What what am I done with it? So I'm just looking for that £51 million lottery ticket. It's got to be mine, hasn't it? I mean, I haven't bought one, but it doesn't matter. Because I got a, an email the other day from somebody in Nigeria saying that they wanted to use my bank account to filter $36 million through it. And then I could have 10%. So I've emailed them all the details of my bank, the sort code and the number and everything else. And they're just, just tell me when the money's in the account. So I'm very excited by that. Very excited. And sad about the what? Yes, the Nigerian prince who died. It was in a car accident. Because the odd thing was, I thought he died last year. But apparently he's only just died this year. And then I checked back a year ago and he's died five times. So he's obviously, he's obviously filtered a load of old money out there. And luckily he wants to use me, which is great. Also, there's loads more Russian girls want to meet me. 
I've got no idea Russian girls would be remotely in, unless they want to take me sort of shoplifting in Harrods or something like that. But I think that's a bit unlikely. Very, this woman on Sky at the moment, I don't know, she's, she's got the most peculiar makeup on, hasn't she? Very un- Obviously, somebody needs to tell her how to do. Is she from the Australian Bureau? They're obviously different Australian makeup people. I love watching everybody's makeup on all the television programmes, especially Steve Dixon. Uh, so, the trendy toy pram firm under fire for encouraging young girls to play like mum. It's, it's, gen- it's, it's gender uh, defining. I mean, really? Let's get over ourselves, please. Uh, the volunteers stepping in uh, because the bin men in Brum, that's Birmingham, Birmingham, have been on strike. And so Birmingham has turned into a bit of a slum. Brum is a slum. And uh, so the volunteers are stepping in to do the job of the bin men, which is uh, quite... I remember when I'm old enough to remember when we had a bin men strike in London years ago. And the whole of Leicester Square, the whole of Leicester Square was piled high, about 20 feet high with rubbish. It was absolutely atrocious. It really is. Um... A hard core of drink drivers are pensioners, believe it or not. So I thought that would have been young people. Perhaps, perhaps young people are too too worried. Be very careful, incidentally. I've seen a few people being named and shamed on YouTube. They've been caught out by bicycles who have the bike cams. Everybody's got bike cams everywhere at the moment. Uh, also, the benefit sheets, two in the paper today. We can normally find one most days of the week, but today it's one who could hardly walk, who ran in a marathon. And then the other one... Uh, who climbed Kilimanjaro was pocketing disability. And they all say the same thing. Well, good days and bad days. Uh, also, the brand ambassadors who go a little bit rogue, including Helen Mirren. Uh, Louise Redknapp goes out and uh, then sort of staggers back in, well, the worse for wear. Obviously enjoying the uh, the publicity. But to be honest with you, we're getting a bit bored with it now. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, no chance of Cheryl returning to the X Factor, even though uh, they've admitted that they pay... The girls on the panel, Simon Cowell said, get paid more than Louis Walsh. I shouldn't think he's bothered by that. This all started what seems like ages and ages ago now, with sort of people uh, saying that this is what people earned at the BBC, this is what some people do earn, and to be honest with you, I don't think it matters in the slightest. Otherwise, you might as well just print everybody's salaries. But because jobs are never advertised... When was the last time you saw a job advertised on the BBC? Blue Peter Presenter Wanted. People will write in, but they don't need to advertise. They have their own magazine called Ariel. Why? I've got no idea. I suppose because it's Ariel's. I don't know. But anyway, and they'll have jobs advertised in there and various people put in for them. But it's a little bit of a closed shop. It's a bit like wanting to be a tube driver, I suppose. You don't see those jobs advertised. I've never seen a tube driver's job advertise. You have to work for TfL already before they even consider you. Well, that can't be right, can it? i surprised that one's not been challenged in the court. I'd vote for you as uh, as Prime Minister if you ever ran for it, says Charlie. I feel you'd make some great changes to this country. Oh, dear, I'm afraid I'd be hang em and flog em. I wouldn't want the job. I wouldn't want the job because I'm told it's, it's great to have brilliant ideas, uh, but unfortunately getting them put through is very difficult. I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to be Mayor of London. I really, I, I really wouldn't be remotely interested. And Prime Minister, not really. You get as many people hating you as, as if you weren't Prime Minister. You know, everybody gets... Uh, but, I mean, I would love if you could actually do things. If you could actually do something, you know, without having to faff around. I mean, it's like the courts at the moment, depending on where you are in the country, determines on how lenient some courts are. Like, you know, the woman who was thieving from Harrods, a £1,000 worth of gear. Not like just somebody who's been in and picked up a suite and put it in their pocket. Edgware Road, Woolworths in there, constantly being targeted by people who thought that the pick and mix was like, you know, a free sweetie service. They'd just go in there, pick them up and walk around eating. Uh, but, you know, not those those people, I'm afraid, we would be putting them in prison. Anybody who thieved from any shop, I couldn't care less where they come from, who they are, I don't care what they look like. 
You know, that's why the woman who thieved from Marks and Spencers got away with it for so... They know who she is. They can't catch her. And she's been thieving from there for years. They put her on television programmes. People clapped and cheered because they thought she was doing what they wanted to do. They go, oh, it's a big shot. They can afford to, to take the hit. You know, you do see it. It's on a daily basis now. People who go out and thieve and they just take something. They'd be the first ones to be on the phone to the police if their house got broken into, wouldn't they, really? Uh, also, a call for tougher sentences for acid attackers. What do you mean calls for tougher sentences? Somebody, you know, you're driving through town, humming away to the radio, or arguing with it, depending on which station you're listening to, and some little so-and-so on a little moped squirts acid in your face or some sort of bleach. And, they, and there are calls for tougher sentences. There should be no calls at all. They should absolutely make tougher sentences. You get caught, 10 years in prison. You can rot in there, as far as I'm concerned. I couldn't care less. Who are these people? Let's find them. Let's get them. Let's get the police to hem them in and then watch them squeal like uh, like stuck pigs, I should imagine. Dreadful. Uh, when you have rows with your other half, what's it mainly over? How long the other half takes to get ready. Men can seemingly get well, most men, most men, but not to do gender stereotypical kind of situations. But most men get ready a bit quicker. Oh, the clothes aren't ready. The wife's going, I don't know. Does this go with, would you wear, oh, just put the clothes on, for God's sake. Shall I, um, oh, I don't know. Are we going to be doing a lot of walking? What sort of shoes should I wear? Just put the blooming shoes on. We're going to be late. No, no, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. Wait a, oh, wait a minute. Have you left anything for the babysitter? Get in the car. Always arguments. 30 rows a year over getting ready. I can understand it, actually. I really can understand it, because people row over the stupidest things now, don't they? The stupidest things. Uh, Also, uh, dead, the biggest fish in Britain. It weighed, uh, well, sorry, it was 25 years uh, young, this fish, and it died. I think it's a carp. How they know it's 25? I've got to get... Can you cut... Uh, fish in half and sort of count the uh, the rings or something. I don't know. There's, I'm watching footage on the television. I hope we end up with it. Um, hope we end up with it on the LBC website. It's two little tow rags on a moped. They've nicked this bloke's phone in London, and uh, they slip through the traffic because they just weave in and out. This bloke's chasing them down the road, chasing them down the road. I mean, I would be. You know, it's. I would be literally. I mean, there is a Scotland Yard moped crime task force. I mean, it's it's very difficult to separate the mopeds who are doing the knowledge. Because you get those people that have got the clipboard in front, as opposed to the uh, the moped people. Generally, if there's two of them, they're generally going thieving. And uh, that we have to stop. I mean, it's almost in every London borough. In the backyards of many police stations, dozens of recovered stolen bikes. They thieve the bike, and then they go and use them to commit crimes. And then they just dump the bike, and then just wander off. No description of the of the motorcycle. They just say it's two males on the back of a bike. And that's it. And the one on the back will be thieving. He'll be driving. They'll, they'll see somebody on their phone. They drive onto the pavement. They grab the phone and they drive off again. They've got to clamp down on them because the police must be so frustrating. So frustrating. Uh, J.K. Rowling earned a bit of money last year. £140 every minute. But mind you, who would begrudge her that money? Nobody. She's brought so much pleasure to people through Harry Potter and through just about everything else she does. So she earns £140 a minute. You know, good for her. Good for her. She turned everything around. Uh, also, what was the other one? Oh, the, oh, the Shelley star, uh, Hugh Bennett, who's died. 
at the age of 73. He was in EastEnders, but I, I mentioned it to a friend of mine last night. She said, are you sure he was in EastEnders? I said, yeah, absolutely. He was definitely in EastEnders. Uh, also, the um, no, James O'Brien, guest columnist in The Mirror today. Not that he'll be mentioning it at all, but, uh, but I bet he will, actually. Uh, also, the Onus Fury is the Mercedes, which apparently is sort of unnickable, but obviously, you know, if somebody wants to take a car, they will take it, has been pinched. He paid £50,000 for it, and he's, um, and he's sort of lost it. Somebody, somebody nicked it. Somebody nicked it, which is a shame. Danny Dyer, picture on a little scooter, giving big smile, big smile, and uh, over in the Big Brother house... Sarah Harding looking as miserable as sin. Almost like, you know, lost a pound, found a penny. Not so good. Not so good, I'm afraid. But uh, she's in there for therapy, I think. I think she's in, in for therapy. Uh, a lot of people talking about the, the push chairs and how... Ridiculous. Why don't people just leave people, you know, little children growing up with what toys they want to play with? You know, if it's a little girl she wants to play with lorries or... Tr- let her play with lorries and trucks. What difference does it make? It's ridiculous. Normally, at this point in the week, I would be telling you... Uh, that we'll be hearing a little tease of what's coming up in conversation this weekend, but not today. I'm being brutally honest with you. I haven't recorded either of them yet. I am recording this morning, so uh, at about 8.30 I'll be sitting down with uh, Rachel Riley, and then about 9.30, TV and movie star Dominic Cooper. And you'll hear those interviews tomorrow morning from 6 after the best of Steve Allen, and then again on Sunday evening from 9, plus you can download it all from the LBC podcast app for your mobile or your tablet. Go to the LBC website, which is lbc.co.uk. So it's going to be Rachel Riley. It is going to be Dominic Cooper, unless something happens between now and 9.30. So uh, you'll hear those this weekend for In Conversation. And, of course, I'm here tomorrow with the, with the very best, with the very best of uh, Steve Allen between 5 and 6. Uh, what was this? What's wrong with Bromley, Mush? Just because you moved to Twickers. Oh, good God, heavens above. I was born in Bromley. We did loads of places after Bromley. We did Egypt, Germany, Hong Kong, Yorkshire, Brentwood. We did just about everywhere. Loads of places. He says, uh, I'm sending my grandkid Maffy around to kick you in the ankle. My six-year-old's got a bit of a kick, says John the Cabby from South London. I know. I've never been back to Bromley since, actually. Must be a reason for that, mustn't I? I was very little at the time, you know. The producer says, wouldn't bother. You see, so I, I never said that, John. That was the producer. You can write into him. He's from South London as well. Though he's terribly, terribly posh. And he's got a bicycle. And he speaks French. How many people do you know, mate, from South London who speak French? The French people. Uh, but there's nobody else, is there? You don't, you, don't, you don't go around South London hearing French being spoke at all. Well, jamais. Yeah. Never. Thank you. All right, I can do it. I can do French. I can do German. Ich bin ein... Twickenhammer. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. Somebody's written in saying, I, having worked with Eamon Holmes, I can honestly say he's far from vile. This is after the comment that he made, which uh, on Twitter they've sort of called him vile and this. And I think he was just, it was just an opinion. It's because he's got a little boy in the studio and he, uh, and he's got uh, cancer and he's lost his hair, presumably through chemo or something like that or the medication. And he said, well, we look forward to seeing you back when, you, when you've grown your hair back again. And people thought that was absolutely awful thing to say. I didn't quite see it like that. I just thought he was he doesn't do that sort of that's not his sort of thing. He's certainly out of anybody, you know, children with cancer, anybody with cancer. You wouldn't do that at all. 
really, he, he wouldn't do it. He really wouldn't do it, I promise you. Um, does diabetes affect the heart, says Tina? I don't know. I had a heart problem anyway, so I don't know whether it does, actually. Actually, actually probably in a roundabout way, because the food you're eating clogs up your arteries, and if you get blocked arteries, you get uh, angina. If you get angina, you get heart problems. So, technically speaking, I suppose it's all sort of interlinked. Uh, and Dave says, are the senses, smell and taste, affected by diabetes? I've not noticed. Do you know the Queen, actually change, changing the subject quickly and throwing something in, which is totally useless. you know the Queen has banned garlic from anywhere? They will not have garlic anywhere in any meals, in the palace, in any of the houses, nothing. She will not have garlic. Isn't that funny? Obviously slightly, slightly distinct. You can imagine you go there and you go, oh, she's been eating garlic. Uh, Malcolm says, you better say that that thing you mentioned about giving your bank deeds to accept millions was a joke. No. No, I'm absolutely, seriously, that's stupid. They deserve to be conned. Seriously, I mean, it's been running for so many years now. Heavens above. Who hasn't been hearing from people who want to uh, sort of help you and put money into your account, which is lovely. As I say, but the, the Russian girls I find even more more disturbing. Why don't the Russian girls be... Where do I get my, my address from? Why would they be writing to me? I don't want to meet any Russian girls. Bad enough meeting everybody else. All the Chelsea pensioners use computers, says Mick. They're encouraged to use them in the Royal Hospital by the staff. It wouldn't surprise me in the slightest. Everybody's using them. Uh, Tricia says the best wedding gift for couples living together is a gift voucher. Oh, I can't give a gift voucher. No, 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 no. Absolutely not. That would not be in the Steve Allen remit. A gift voucher. I think not. No, that that just shows total lack of imagination. You have to have some uh, some sort of idea of of what you want to buy somebody for a, for a wedding gift. I, I, a gift voucher just is ridiculous. I couldn't I couldn't give a oh another picture come through. Um, this is, yes, it's James O'Brien is, uh, is doing the, uh, the guest column today. And he's talking about all sorts of, I'm not going to read it out. He'll read it out on his own programme. I'm not here to publicise James O'Brien. He's doing quite well without my help. Thank you very much indeed. As is everybody. As is everybody. That's, uh, it's nice. Matt Fry is being, uh, Nick Ferrari next week. Just like I tell you that now, just in case. And um, somebody says, um, uh, I've just taken a photo of part of your name on the poster at Waterloo. The camera's not very good. Well, you must buy a decent one. You must buy a decent phone with a proper camera in it. Technology is beyond me. I have seen it, actually. I know where it is. In fact, I know where they all are now. I've practically been round to mark them. I was going to stand next to each one and get my photo. T- and I thought, no, that just seems stupid. That's, yeah, perhaps I should sign them. Just write over it. Steve Allen. <laughs> Number one in his time slot, you know, but I thought, no, 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 that really, that really is, is a bit naff, actually. Uh, Nicky's at Enfield having a birthday. Oh, dear, nothing worse is the nothing worse birthdays. Oh, you don't know what to do, because if, if you actually sort of if you sort of, you know, go out for the day and you come back and there aren't any birthday cards, how fed up do you feel? You know, you go, um, it's like it's like Valentine's cards. I always get loads. And, um, and and there's always the girl, I've said before, sitting on the train, going home at the end of Valentine's Day, you know, and she's clutching armfuls of flowers. And every other woman is sitting on the train thinking, you bitch, we hate you. <laughs> so I quite like that. Apparently, William says you can tell the age of a fish by looking at its equivalent to an ear bone. Oh, right. The bone lays down in a ring for each year of its life. Oh, it's far too complicated. Can't you just turn them upside down? Can't you have a look or something like that? When I was young, says Maureen, I had a wigwam. It was bright orange and I loved it. All the Kitchmar Street used to come and play in it. Do you remember the smell of wigwams? You know, what? I, I, there was a smell about cheap tents. You put them in there and, oh, I remember things like that. And then the sun had come through. God, we, had to, we, thought, we didn't think we were sort of Red Indians or anything like that. We just thought we got a wigwam. And then you'd cram loads of people into it. We didn't do anything. We just sort of sat in the wigwam. 
Oh, it's great fun. Great fun. You're very lucky, Steve. Rachel Riley. Yes, I hear that from quite a number of people. In fact, I've heard that from quite a number of people, actually. Um, uh, Niall's got a brilliant idea for people who throw acid in uh, in people's faces. Yes, I mean, I, my, my idea of sort of just incarcerating them for ages, I think, is, is probably... I mean, it, it's, it's not going to work, is it? Because the people who are who would do that to somebody, who would squirt acid in somebody's face, are the people who have no quality of life themselves. They are life's losers. And the loser part is going to come in very quickly when the police start ramming these bikes. You know, and we get these people, we get them into court, and we throw them in prison, and we throw away the key. That's the only deterrent. And we get them, and we're, we've got to be really big about it. You know, none of this mamby-pamby, uh, we're worried they might fall off the bike. Oh, I couldn't care less. I couldn't care less. I'm sorry. Uh, Mike says, I tell my wife that we need to be somewhere half an hour before we actually need to be there. So dinner tonight is booked for seven, but I'm going to tell her 6.30. To God, she's not listening. That's tr- that You always do that, can't you? you? Or you go around the house adjusting all the clocks. Go, look, we're going to be late. We're going to be late. It's not easy, is it? <laughs> not easy. Uh, the other thing is that little in uh, Wallington, I regularly see picking up pasties and fruit and walking around eating them. I know, it's theft. I've said this before, and uh, I, got, I got called over it. Somebody said to me, so, if you've got a child going around sitting in the thing, it's quite normal to open a packet of crisps. No, it's not. It's called thieving. You aren't allowed to touch any of that food until you pay. Once you paid for it, you can do what you like with it. But up until then, you know, no, I'm sorry, that's thieving. And for that, it's hanging. I think so. It's definitely, you know, it's, we ca- we've got to stop it. It's like an epidemic. People coming over here and now judges and magistrates sort of saying, oh, that's OK, because you're a talented person. She's probably a professional shoplifter, this woman. We don't know what she's taken before. You've got no idea. And she went, oh, thank you very much indeed. I mean, she knew exactly what she was doing. She, she didn't go in there and pinch sort of, you know, sort of two pound of cod or something like that. Uh, Stephen in Montpellier says, I bet your dad was based at Biggin Hill. No. No, we were never posted to uh, to Biggin Hill. No, uh, we were at um, uh, Patrington. We did one outside. Oh, I can't remember which one it is, but it's now an air base for something else. I can't remember which one it is. We used to go near. Oh God, it'll come to me later. You know what it's like when you try and all of a sudden somebody throws you a, a curved ball, and in my case, it goes right round my head and disappears out the blooming window. Uh, we were near Huntingdon, so near Cambridgeshire. So that's where we were. We were on a on a, an RAF uh, base. No, no, no. Northfield, no, no, no. We didn't do Northfield. But uh, we did this place. We only did the one place where we lived on, on base. On ca- All the rest of the time, we were sort of off base. I quite liked it, though. But all the houses looked the same on base. It was, it was very odd, actually. And um, all I can remember is one of the houses on this place we were at, and I think it's now where... Oh, so some famous plane takes off from this place in, in Cambridgeshire. And... Um, and I just remember the gardens. We never bothered with our garden. It just had... Nobody bothered with their garden at all. It's probably all different now, I should imagine. But uh, Stephen, no. He says, anyway, uh, I got posted from the French Air Force on an exchange of captains. I think it was because my boss didn't like me. Anyway, I did at least learn lots of rude jokes and rugby songs. Good. Heavens above. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. 26 minutes to seven. Nick Ferrari with you. Breakfast at seven this morning. The Bank of England Governor Mark Carney has claimed that Brexit uncertainty is dragging down the UK economy, taking all of our wages with it. Nick wants to know if you think he's right or if it's the constant bashing of Brexit that's having the greater impact on confidence in our economy. Also on the show, 
as London's Waterloo Station sees the most complex and damaging impact on its rail lines over the next four weeks. Nick will be speaking to the Managing Director of Network Rail to find out if it's really worth all the chaos for commuters. And possibly me, but I'm hoping not. I think they're closing platforms 1 to 10, which means they'll have less platforms for the trains to come in on. You need to check at... uh, If you haven't read one of these booklets, they've been at every station, every station handing out booklets which list, you know, your trains, where they're coming in from, what the impact will be. Uh, And the impact will be coming in, in the morning, to Waterloo Station. There will be less trains coming in because they've got less platforms to use. Okay, so just be mindful of that. And then going home in the evening, because there will be less platforms to use, there will be less trains coming out. So it's at peak times. If you don't use peak times coming in, for that early morning commute or going home, you know, the five, six o'clock, places like that, time, times like that, then, you know, you're not going to be affected too much. It will affect you because there won't be as many trains. And uh, we are well served out at... Tw- I can only talk about Twickenham, but you need one of these books which are everywhere. So if you've walked past somebody and they've been offering you a book, that's, that's your guide to how you can uh, to avoid it. Or possibly you can get, uh, get by by using the tube if you can use the tube. But uh, there will be disruption it is. It is going to be uh, going to be quite something at Waterloo Station. Nick will talk about that this morning. He's with you from seven here on LBC. Uh, Chris uh, says, "I'm sure that Eamon Holmes was saying, see you when your hair is back.' As the boy, it means he's then better and has been cured. Yes, I mean that's that's what he was saying because you know kids worry about you know I've lost my hair and he's saying we'll look forward to seeing you when your hair comes back." You know, I don't know if this little boy is terminal or not. I'm really not uh, not too sure. The parents want to raise a lot of money to take him to America for treatment. They're in a hospital, I think, in Romford, where they say it's fantastic. But uh, they're looking for something a little bit more. We're going to see more and more of these the, these cases. But Eamon Holmes meant no offence. I'm not the biggest fan. Don't you worry. I'm not the biggest fan at all. He wouldn't say anything like that. I don't know why anybody would call him vile on the internet. In fact, the vile people would be the ones who thought that he was being vile. Because he isn't. He's, he's not like that at all. It's not his sort of thing. He's doing. He's very good at doing those sort of interviews, you know, like him and Ruth. I mean, she'd have said something to him. She'd have said, what do you mean by that? She'd, you know, they don't hold back, do they? Uh, Steve, I've seen you in the flesh. Well, not literally. I got you a bottle of M&S wine when you came down to Fairfield Hall, says Fiona. <laughs> uh, Graham says, do you mean the RAF base in Alconbury? No, it's the one near Huntingdon. I can't remember what it's called, actually. It'll it'll come to me later. Uh, Steve, I took my 14-year-old daughter to London yesterday. We did Chinatown, St James's Park, Buckingham Palace, Hamley's Toy Shop. But the best part of the day, the global building. (laughs) He says that you, Nick, James and Sheila, plus all the other presenters, uh, are coming out of every day. It's impressive, isn't it? He says, LBC are at it. It's quite a small building. Are you serious? Good God, it's enormous. There's a thousand people in here. It's enormous. It runs from Leicester Square at the front all the way to the Charing Cross Road at the back. It's huge. It's absolutely... There's a thousand people in here. More than a thousand people, I reckon. In fact, on one of the floors, the sales floor, there's more than 300 salesmen and women up there. But, uh, no, it's huge, this building. I know you look at it at the front, but, in fact, it's double-fronted and it runs the whole length all the way back to the Charing Cross Road. That's how that's how big it is. That's how big it... Oh, it's enormous. Absolutely enormous. Blimey. Anybody ever says it's small has never seen it. Because it's it's absolutely enormous. Uh, Steve, we used to go on holiday in a caravan to Selsey. 
I can always remember the smell of the of the gas mantle when you. I always remember it going <laughs> like that when it lit. Do you know we've still got gas lights in London? We've still got that. Uh, the RAF base in Cambridge. Joanne Webb thinks Bassing, but no, it's not. No, I can't remember what it's called. It's near Huntingdon. We were sort of in that sort of area. You need to do a list of RAF bases in around Huntingdon. Because I used to go riding near Huntingdon. I think we used to go shopping. So let's uh, let's have a quick REF Witten. I think Whiten. No, we weren't. No, St Ives is in Cornwall, isn't it? It's... Oh, is that? No, I don't think we were near St Ives in Cambridgeshire. I don't think it was that one. No, Brampton, Whiten, Alconbury. No. Oh God, it's a um, REF personnel march through, blah, blah. I'll never remember it, actually. It's going to be one of those things, isn't it? And then I'll, I'll phone my brother in and say, oh, we were at Brampton or something. We weren't. I don't think we were at Brampton. I'd remember it if I saw it. Not Alconbury. No, definitely not Alconbury. No. <laughs> Perhaps we weren't on an REF base at all. Perhaps we were squatting in a caravan or something. I don't know. <laughs> Somebody. Perhaps it wasn't. Perhaps it wasn't near Huntingdon. Perhaps it was near somewhere else. I don't know. Uh, so, anybody else come up with any more names? Do please let me know as quickly as possible. Nigel says uh, eating stolen food in supermarkets is officially known as grazing in the shoplifting businesses. <laughs> Sorry, it's definitely illegal. Yes, I mean, well, of course it is. You're thieving. You're thieving. It's dreadful. Uh, Steve, uh, regarding the moped scum, says Anthony, I can't see why the MPs don't use unmarked and marked police trail bikes to chase the mopeds. Well, I think that's what they've, they've tried doing it in some of these cases. No, it's not Lake and Heath either. No. Is it Cranwell? No. It's very exciting, this. I love a game towards the end of the programme. But uh, no, I can't remember. Oh, Patrington? No, Patrington was up in Yorkshire, wasn't it? Oh, God. It's so. Henlow, no, no, no. <coughs> as soon as somebody... Sorry? Marham, no. No, as soon as somebody says it, I'll know. Is it called REF Huntingdon? No, it can't be, can it? No. R- Huntingdon is the town near there. God. Nothing worse when you get to an age and you can't remember things, honestly. I must do a shopping list later. Front pages of the papers, tributes pouring in to the TV legend that was Robert Hardy, who has died at the age of 91, gave us all creatures great and small, gave of his uh, bit in Harry Potter as well, and uh, and also Churchill. Cheap sugar health alert, EU imports will halt, or sorry, will fuel the obesity crisis. Do you know, I know that there is sugar in just about everything, but I don't have sugar at home. I used to have sugar because I used to take sugar in tea, but I don't do that. I don't do fizzy drinks, whether they're zero sugar or whatever they are. I just don't, I don't do anything like that. Uh, but sugar's in everything. There's nothing that you can't buy that doesn't have sugar in. You know, it just depends on what sort of level and what amount of sugar is there. The Polish shoplifter let off because of her considerable talents. Yeah, considerable talents to shoplift. But luckily, obviously, not that good because she got caught and she's been let off because she was um, a model. But as I say, surely that's the whole idea of shoplifters. It's the most unlikely person. You go, she's a shoplifter or he's a shoplifter. You know, they don't look like the typical sort of people who would go out there and do shoplifting. But that's why a lot of people get away with things. Perhaps she was just unlucky on this day. But anyway, she just got a silly little derisory smack on the wrist. Sends out completely the wrong uh, the wrong message. There we go, looking around Huntingdon. It's amazing, actually. I wonder if the REF station is still it. Not Molesworth, no. Definitely not, not Kim Bolton. Kim Bolton. Um, Warboys. Magapass. No. Upward. No. Man, there's loads of REF bases around. Oh, they didn't realize there were so many. There's loads of them. No, it wasn't any of those ones. <laughs> Unless it's changed its name. It might have changed its name. It might have changed its name. 
Oh, it's so worrying, isn't it? I hate it. It's driving me mad now. It's going it's to annoy me for the remaining 18 minutes of this programme this morning. Uh, how Diana used her makeup as a weapon. That's what the Daily Mail have come up with. Plus, get to airport three hours early because of this EU border chaos hitting holidaymakers. Brits have been warned. Brilliant at everything but marriage. Robert Hardy dies at 91. He played Siegfried in All Creatures Great and Small. It was based on the, uh, on the vet books. And lovely they were, too. And it was lovely. You watch them now, they look a little bit dated. Mind you, I've just bought On the Buses, the box set. How bad is my life, ladies and gentlemen, when I have to buy On the, uh, on the Buses box set? It's only because I've been seeing a few of them on the television. And I thought, they're quite gentle comedies, aren't they? Poor old Olive used to get it in the neck from everybody. And uh, it's, it was lovely. I don't think any of the cast are alive anymore. I think they've, they've all passed on, which is even more embarrassing. Um, Daily Mirror. How boots could save you a visit to your doctor for some reason. All creatures secretly dies at 91. The Dignitas Man, who I told you about earlier, he did, he did his, uh, his last big adventure because he's done a video diary of his journey to Dignitas and uh, moving it is too. Uh, for him too. For him too. It was his last big thing. He was in a lot of pain and he just wanted it to end. He was 70 and uh, that, was his, that was his big dream. And I think you have to... Pr- it's so complicated, this Dignitas thing. I think people think you go there and they give you an injection and you go to sleep. It doesn't work like that at all. You have to administer the, uh, the drug yourself. And I think it comes in a drink. I seem to remember it's a drink that it actually comes in. And um, you have to prove that you can do that. They won't do it for you. You have to do it. And then I think you just go to sleep. I've seen it on the television. It was terribly moving because we're not usually there, are we, at the end of somebody's life? And somebody who's in a lot of pain and couldn't wait really for the to be pain free, and that's what he was. Uh, that's what he was hoping for, and that's what he achieved. Uh, the Sun this morning: three hundred and eighty thousand pounds worth of legal aid of fiends, six whole life murderers granted three hundred and eighty thousand pound in legal aid. Benefits include uh, MP Joe Cox's killer. This comes after families of IRA victims were refused help. It's all gone wrong, hasn't it? It's all gone wrong. Definitely. Uh, the fired exclusive. Sad and lonely world of die lover's dad. Uh, this is uh, Mohammed Fayed, who said that they were going to get married. Her and Dodie were going to get married. Whether it's true or not, I don't, I've got no idea. Also exclusive, the club's rude card. This is a millionaire football boss sacked his club's cheerleaders because some tried to pull the players. This is Billericke. Billericke? Billericke? I don't know, but apparently it's part owned by Mark Wright. Bill Ricky, they've got a football team. Good Lord, was it Duxford? No, I don't think it was Duxford. That's famous, though, isn't it? What's famous out of Duxford? Sorry, I'm just checking. Apparently, Jamie O'Hara is a midfielder for Bill Ricky Town. Who goes to see them? Bill Ricky Town, hilarious. But apparently, uh, apparently, the the girls known as the Rickeys were signed up last month. Last night, the leader of the Sexy Dancers. Becca Bachelor <laughs> said of their red card, it's just a shame. But the owner, Glenn Tamplin, said the lads were becoming unfocused. Oh dear, honestly, all that kind of stuff on the football field, ladies and gentlemen. It's so unnecessary. So unnecessary. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. It's Friday. We get very excited about Friday. We get very excited about any day of the week. We're here Monday through, uh, through Friday and Saturday. 
and uh, and Sunday as well. I've just remembered we're here we're here seven days a week, so you can't get away from us, which is quite nice. If you were to loose end and you're not doing anything tomorrow, feel like popping in, I'll be here from five till six with the best of Steve Allen, and then after that, in conversation, Rachel Riley. A lot of excitement around here. The producer, very excited by this. Obviously, a little bit of a favourite. And Dominic Cooper, Aussie producer, very excited by this. In fact, uh, you know, a couple of other people going, Richard Riley, a little bit jealous on that one. Yeah, oh well, hold back, hold back. And, uh, and Dominic Cooper as well. So we'll be talking to them. That'll go out tomorrow morning and then repeat, sorry, uh, repeated on Sunday evening at uh, nine o'clock. Uh, Farrah's farewell, Mo Farrah. I'd forgotten he's a sir now. Sir Mo Farrow. No, not RAF Waterbeach. We can't, we can't find it. I've had to text my brother saying, um, saying, you know, where did we live? It's not helping, is it? Because I don't think he's up at the moment. He might be, because even he probably won't remember. But never mind. Uh, apparently, so Mo Farrow taking a picture of himself in the London Stadium. He's going to run his penultimate track race tonight in the 10,000 metres. Uh, also, Minister calls for UK-only passport lanes to retaliate for Brexit queues. I thought we had that, didn't we? Passport lanes, just for, for, for us. I thought so. Uh, bank signals rates rise within a year. Desk fans can help deal with the menopause. I used to have a, a, men- uh, sorry, have a menopause. I used to have a desk fan. I quite liked it. I'm not very good with that sort of... I mean, air conditioning's great. Don't get me wrong. I love air conditioning. But a desk fan is great. Uh, National Trust volunteers told they must wear a gay pride badge. Lord above. The National Trust is becoming broiled in a new row about political correctness after it demanded volunteers at a Norfolk mansion wear the gay pride rainbow symbol. More than 300 volunteers at Felbrick Hall were told if they didn't wear badges and lanyards emblazoned with the flag, moat, um, women would be barred... Oh, they'd be barred from meeting visitors and forced to do backroom chores. The move is part of the Trust's Prejudice and Pride campaign, that celebrates 50 years since the decriminalisation of homosexuality. Last month, you remember, the Trust faced a backlash when it outed Robert Wyndham Ketton Kremer, the country's squire who gave them the haul after his death. The Trust produced a short film narrated by Stephen Fry that claimed the historian and poet was widely known to have been homosexual, both locally and during his time at Oxford University. What am I going to do with anybody? And so if you, if you work for the Trust on this particular property, they're expecting you to wear... Um, a gay pride badge. I can see that going down like a lead balloon in certain departments, can you? Sorry, Mrs Higginbottom, yes? Would you like to wear the gay pride badge? Sorry? The gay pride ba- I am. I am gay. Sorry? Gay. Happy. You know, very happy. There used to be a shop in Hounslow called Gay Blinds. And uh, I don't think it's REF Wittering. I know a lot of you are, are saying that it's, a lot of you are quite adamant it's REF Wittering. I can't find it. I've had to text my brother, but as I say, it obviously isn't, uh, appears to be uh, up. And uh, another one here. Kevin the Milkman says, although the global building is big, you'd never know from the entrance in Leicester Square. No, subtly understated. But in fact, it's, it's double fronted. It's sort of, it's, it's the bit there and then next door to it. And then the whole length from Leicester Square all the way to the Charing Cross Road and the building next. It's huge. It's, well, as you know, you know. He says, also, you'd never have stayed at Northfield, far too close to Harlow. Uh, yeah, everybody's guessing what it is, but we don't seem to have got it. You know what's going to happen? My brother's going to come back and say, oh, it's wittering or something stupid. And I'm going to say it, and then all of a sudden people are going to go, well, you just said it wasn't. We're never going to find the answer before the end of the programme, honestly. We really aren't. It's, it's just it's driving me mad at the moment. Uh, front page of the eye, blood on our hands. Top judge gives cabinet ministers ultimatum on mental health care for young people. 
Uh, the plight of uh, this is the suicidal teenage girl prompting the High Court Justice to issue unprecedented rebuke to government and NHS chiefs. Judge tells Home Secretary, Health Secretary, and Education Secretary the girl will take her own life unless they act. They've also got the guide to all the best shows at the Edinburgh Fringe because they celebrate, I think, 70 years of the Edinburgh Fringe and um, how babies start to learn on day one. Not pushing prams, they don't. Uh, Go Mo, Britain's greatest athlete, on the cusp of history again. And uh, also the the men who want to spoil Bolt's goodbye. This is Usain Bolt. I don't, did he do something? He did that thing with his arms, didn't he, when he was having his pictures taken? Fastest man in the world, is he? Not raced up against us, though, has he? Just, just do not underestimate the Allen. Do not ever think that, you know, just because we're not in the race... We're not partaking of it. We could do, we just don't want to show off. OK, we could we could run round there and leave him, you know, panting on the ground. The Guardian. Um, what have we got here? We've got uh, reviews on Brian Eno. Uh, also, Lionesses lose with pride. England's women's football team lost 3-0 to host the Netherlands. I mean, the Netherlands. I mean, please, girls, honestly. That was in the semi-final of Euro 2017. And so a lot of... Mm, dejected people. Senior judge warns of blood on our hands. Head of the family courts fury at the lack of hospital places for a suicidal 17-year-old. Seriously, they've really had to to scrape the barrel to try and find uh, somewhere for this person to go. Uh, Wanna cry tech hero arrested over US malware. I don't know what malware is. Is malware something something that breaks your computer? We don't want that, do we? We don't want that at all. I don't like the idea of something that breaks your computer. I get very confused with it. Uh, did you know? Oh, incidentally, Olive is still alive from on the buses. But of course she is. I thought we knew that. It's just I don't think any of the others are around. There's, there's, there's quite a lot who aren't, aren't with us anymore from on the buses. Did you know Reg Varney was the first person to use the cash machine in Enfield? Yes, I know. And uh, Anna Karen. Do you know Anna Karen is 80? Says, uh, says Rob from Wing. 80? Is she really? Is she? Didn't she? She was in EastEnders, wasn't she? Yes, I'm sure that... Uh, Anna Karen went in. Because the trouble is, I haven't seen EastEnders for ages, and I don't know, but I'm pretty certain, 99.9% certain, that she went into um, EastEnders. I was right. There you go. Her real name's Anna Karen Gregg. She was on the... She did the rag trade as well. And EastEnders from 96 on a recurring basis as Aunt Sal. Good Lord. Do you know she, where she was born? She was born in South Africa. In South Africa. Uh, KwaZulu Natal. Good Lord. Started working... Durban. Started working in 1959. She did um, On the Buses. She did that for quite a while, actually. Did that four years. It's not bad. The Rag Trade did for a year. And EastEnders... Oh, she's still there in EastEnders. She sort of pops up as a recurring character. Good for her. I like to see actors and actresses who are still working into their 70s and 80s because it gives them something to do. And uh, and I think it's very therapeutic. Very therapeutic. So uh, congratulations to her. But uh, one like Honington. I think it's Honington. I'm pretty certain. It's, uh, it's near Ixworth in Suffolk, south of... Oh, God. I know that they use it for something else. It's now the REF Regiment Depot. And I'm... Was it Honington? Oh, God. It might have been. I can't remember. It's not helping, is it? It's not helping. I might have to tell you some, come Sunday morning. It's a cheap trick to get you listening Sunday morning to the programme. Because I mean, I'm, well, it's not a cheap trick. I mean, you'd be listening anyway. I know that. But is that Jim? If that's the right one, is it Honington? I don't know. One of them was called Patrington. Where is R.E.F. Patrington? Can you find that one for me? 
R.F. Patrington. Is that the one in Yorkshire? Was that the... Oh, dear, as I say... You know, the mind play... Patrington's Yorkshire, is it? Yeah, we, we were up there, but we weren't on a base there in Patrington. We were off base. Was it Honington? God, they all sound the same. I didn't realise there were so many R.E.F. bases. Absolutely unbelievable. It's in Suffolk, so it's right sort of area, isn't it? I'm not saying we were next door to Huntingdon, but it was within, within sort of striking distance. But they used it for something... Oh, God, I wonder if it was there. You see, I'm looking at the badge... And I'm trying to work out if that's the badge. Because we had my dad's badges and everything else. And I don't know if that's, uh, if that's it. But they used it. There was something that happened there. And I can't remember what it was. Oh, dear, honestly. You'll have to listen. I'm here Sunday morning. Did I mention that? Between five and seven. Looking at the Sunday papers. Or failing that, guessing REF bases. That'll be, the, that'll be the problem that we have, isn't it? Guessing REF bases. So anyway, I think we put the world to rights this morning. As indeed we do every morning. We're open Monday through Friday between uh, four and seven. You don't need a ticket or anything else like that. You just need to go click, turn on the radio and uh, and join in. doesn't matter whether you're an insomniac or you're working or you're just fed up with everything and you think, I just need a little bit of light relief. We're here and, uh, and we look forward to your company every day. And thank you for that. Thank you for the, uh, thank you for the figures. Uh, what did we not do today? I don't think we didn't do it. I think we did everything, actually. We did uh, the volunteers. Uh, also, we did uh, Louise Redknapp. Oh, stop going out to things. If you don't want to go out and look miserable, please don't go out. Stay at home. Take up knitting or something. Uh, we've done the benefit cheats. We've done um, Grant Bovey fibbing on a dating site. But then everybody fibs on a dating site, don't they? I've never been on one, but I'm assuming everybody does. Uh, Danny Dyer. I wonder what's going to happen. Are they going to kick somebody off Big Brother over the weekend? Because they're anything but less than interesting, these people. I mean, it really is. It's seriously, you'd be better off painting a little line and watching and wait till it dries. It's, it's more exciting that way. Have a great weekend. Back with me tomorrow morning, I hope, because the best of Steve Allen, Rachel Riley, and Dominic Cooper in for In Conversation. You can listen to LBC whenever you want, wherever you are. And... Um, uh, you can download the free LBC app for your mobile or tablet and never miss a moment. Leading Britain's conversation at 10, it's James O'Brien. But coming up next with breakfast, it's Nick Ferrari. If you enjoyed this podcast, listen to Steve Allen live from 4am Monday to Friday and Saturday and Sunday from 5am.